Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Mikey Sanchez, and we have here another episode of Redeem Podcast. This episode features my good buddy, Steve Martinez. This episode talks a lot about our relationship with God and serving in ministry. And also, uh, Steve gets into some super cool topics concerning marriage. And um, it also is a unique look at uh, a man's walk with God who's known the Lord since he was a little kid. And so I, I really hope you guys enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by Vision by Dreamers. It turned out to be a really, really good one. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good day. God bless you. Well, why don't you kick us off with prayer, Mike? Yeah, for sure. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity um, just to hang out with my friend. And I, uh, in the time in between now and, and when we spend a lot of time together, I'm, I'm sure there's so much things, Lord, that you've done. I'm sure there's been so many hurdles that he's gone over and things maybe even unspoken. But I know this, Lord, I know that my brother before me is is your servant. And so I lift him up this morning and I thank you for the opportunity in this conversation to sit down and have. And I ask that you'd be in the center of everything we we have in our hearts and our minds. And you allow us to just just grow from one another. And it, it really is a blessing to realize, Lord, that to sit down and talk with Christians is part of something you've instructed us to do. Um, and that you tell us that iron sharpens iron. And so us doing this is not just something we're trying to make happen, but it is something that you've asked us to do. And so we thank you for this opportunity for this podcast and for what you're going to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, awesome. Welcome, Steve. Thanks yeah. for coming on today, dude. Yeah. So you're meeting Sal for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Oh, this is Sal. Dude. This right is on. Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we kind of recognize each other, but yeah. Yeah. So cool. Probably so from cool. Golden Springs College. He was a TA uh, uh, oh, for okay. a few years at the yeah. Bible College. Mostly for Dave time. and Zunza. Mostly for yeah. Dave. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know what? Actually, oh, I think actually, you, do I sound all right? I heard like a okay, couple cool. pops, but no, that was me, but I okay. think we're good. Yeah. You sound pretty good Yeah, on my headphones. I don't know. Are you right good? on? So how did you meet Mike? Yeah. What is, what's your for earliest memory? I can't, I can't pinpoint exactly where I met you. Do you know? Do you remember? No, I just, of course the pastoral school is like the start of our like relationship as friends for sure. So. Yeah. What do you remember about how'd you get in pastoral school? Yeah. So, um, it was kind of a, it was a journey for me, you know, to get there. Um, I wanted to kind of start chronologically just from sure. my own mind. Um, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, please. So my dad was an engineer. My dad, my dad was in the Navy mm. and he served, um, during world war two. And wow. so, yeah, that was amazing. Um, just to hear stories about my dad. Um, my mom was the daughter of a pastor. Um, so my grandpa worked in Mexico and here in California, like planning churches hmm. all up from Mexico to Cate, all the way up to Oakland, uh, Spanish speaking. Hmm. Um, so he planted Baptist church. He was a Baptist pastor. Okay. And so my mom, um, loved the Lord, played the piano and always wanted to marry a pastor, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> so then she met my dad. They fell in love after the military, after he came out of the Navy and they got married, and then my dad was an engineer. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, kind of missed the mark on marrying a pastor initially, <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. So my dad was a mechanical, aeronautical engineer. Um, 
real smart man. I mean, just, I think I remember you, you know, we, we talked about your dad and, mm-hmm. and family. And mm-hmm. so my dad was kind of like my hero growing up. You same, know, same. My mom and dad mm-hmm. are with the Lord now, but very smart man, Christian man. I'm so blessed. So that's kind of somewhat of my story as we get going, whatever, you know, is I had strong Christian grandparents on both sides. Wow. And then strong Christian parents. So I'm whatever I'm doing for the Lord, bro, is just like it's just the grace of God. Mm. It's just I feel like it's like the fruit when you read in the Bible mm. about the fruit. So a lot of times God has used me to share things about um fruit. Like Sometimes when you first become a Christian, mm. you're hoping to be that Christian parent mm. and you're hoping to raise your kids that way. Well, someone raised my parents that way. Wow. So my parents passed it down to me and my brothers and my sisters. And so I'm just enjoying the fruit. So I like to be an encouragement to not give up mm. because your children will benefit and then your grandchildren will benefit and your great grandchildren will benefit in the Lord. I, mm. I think that that's, that's uh, important, really important. I, I want to just pause on that real quick for a second, only because for some reason we tend to in Christian culture really seek after the extreme story of I was this godless person who knew nothing had nothing around me about God. And I found Christ and look what he's done. Now that is a miraculous thing. And I love that, but what it does because we chase after it so much in Christian culture, what it does is it sort of leaves a lot of people in the in the dust as far as well i don't really have a story and even i've met people Mm -hmm. to such a degree that they feel like they need to go out and create a story by Mm -hmm. living their some Mm -hmm. some sort of crazy life or something in order to like find their own way or something and so i just want to say though that i'm 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 already like intrigued at the thought at the thought and story that you have these people that generations back right are like faithful to god Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good point because when I came to Calvary Chapel, I grew up in a Baptist church. Okay. So when I eventually came to Calvary Chapel, um, I felt that I felt like, man, I don't have like a crazy testimony, mm-hmm. you know. And I kind of felt a little bit out of place, mm. like I don't have that to offer, that story, crazy story to offer. I'm a man, I'm a sinner, and I can list them, <laughs> but uh, I didn't have that crazy testimony. So for a while, I struggled with that. I struggled like, Lord, can't really use me like other people. Mm. And so, yeah, that's a good point. What what is it like in a Baptist church? Because I I don't know a little bit about bap, like the Baptist you know denomination. But what was it like for you going from a Baptist denomination to kind of transitioning to Calvary Chapel, non denominational? Yeah. So what was cool about in terms of the story too is my dad. There, uh, went to a Billy Graham crusade, 1963. Yeah, circle back to that because we're following a narrative kind of, and I do, and I want to hang on to those questions, but I can feel the story that you're telling Mm. and I want to dive back into that. So, okay. So you're, you're, your dad believer, grandparents believer, and you're raised into a Christian home. Yeah. So the early memories of my grandparents are really cool because they were missionaries and in Mexico and then my, my grandpa was a pastor. So um, they were just, man, I could, I could spend the whole time talking about them. I miss them so much. They, mm. uh, I don't even know where to start. They, okay, here's a, here's this. My grandparents used to follow the migrant workers. They used to travel with the migrant workers because they knew they needed a pastor and there was nobody there for them. 
They didn't have any spiritual care. No one really cared about them. They didn't make any hardly money. They weren't citizens, right? And you had the pesticides and just the whole thing. So my my grandparents would travel with them so they could minister to them. Hmm. And you know, when you do something like that, you you in some sense you more than just your commitment to the Lord, obviously, into these group of people, but you almost took a vow of poverty because there's no way you can just roll in with your, with all this stuff and they're poor. Hmm. So that right kind of set the tone for my grandparents and then my mom. Incredible. Really loved my her dad, and uh, and so that kind of set the tone, I think, for the family and for us to see. I didn't see that because I was I'm the youngest of five, so there's a lot I missed in terms of what my older brothers and sisters saw. I was, I was the kind of the mistake. There was four, and they were done, <laughs> and then that was a surprise. You know? And so uh, I stole the 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 baby birthright from my brother. <laughs> I was the baby till you came along. Yeah. I was getting all the attention. <laughs> so seeing my grandparents made a big impact on me. They would, they would pray together in their room. They would, you know, sing Spanish songs to the Lord. And then they would get up and just go, this is when they were older and they'd go visit people in the church, people that they knew to just to minister. Wow. You know, and, uh, dang. Yeah. And I guess my grandpa had, it was a strong preacher. Like he brought it. Mm. That's what I've never heard a sermon, but I guess from what I've heard, he really brought the message, wasn't afraid, no compromise in the gospel. Mm. And um, even up through his 80s, that's when I kind of was uh, in a city called Lompoc. That's where their last church was. Where is Lompoc? It's up in the San, Santa Barbara County. Oh, by yeah. Solvang. Oh, I know Lompoc. Yeah, okay. I thought it might have been Lompoc and another. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know it. Yeah. So... Um, so that was the last church that my grandpa had up there, and um, the Lord was using that ministry to minister to the Spanish-speaking people in, in in those areas. And there was uh, migrant workers up there, a lot of flower fields in that area back in the in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, just seeing my grandpa as an example, my grandma um, was such a blessing to me. As just they were just servants. Oh, so what I want to say was, my grandpa had a couple of heart attacks, like at the pulpit. Whoa. So the doctor told him, you got to, because he, my grandpa would pound the pulpit. Yeah, sure. He yeah. was bringing it, like you so said. The doctor told him, you got to stop pounding the pulpit. You got to stop getting so excited. And he was like, nah. And so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's some good memories of my, my grandfather. Um, so then when my parents got married, um, my dad had a good job. So they, they bought a house in Granada Hills. Mm. Had my, my sister, my brother, my sister, my brother. And I wasn't born yet. And so I guess my dad... Um, he didn't exactly like where the family was going. He was making really good money mm. and, and doing well, you know, Christian family, but just felt maybe a disconnect. So he went to a Billy Graham crusade in 1963, LA Coliseum, a hmm. hundred and man, I have the number right. 120,000 people, Whoa. more people in that one event, Billy Graham crusade than any other event in the history of LA Coliseum, really? more than the Olympics, Super Bowl, USC, you know, sorry, Trojan fans. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Bruin fan. So uh, anyway, so that jab in there. But more. Couldn't help yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there was 20,000 people outside that couldn't even get in. So my dad was there. Mm. And my two sisters remember that. And my dad went forward to rededicate his life to the Lord. Mm. So what I didn't know is I guess my dad decided then, Lord, if you want, desire me to be a pastor or serve you, I feel called to, to go into the ministry, hmm. which then made my mom happy. 
Because that was so her, her dream came true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he went to American Baptist Seminary in Covina. There used to be a seminary. Yeah. I've heard about it, dude. A guy named Dr. Lovitz that I grew up down the street from was a part of that. Oh, ministry. man. That's so cool. He was involved in Parker before a lot of people were there. It's another story, but wow. it's it's a great story. The way that old man impacted my young life as a kid. But wow, it's there's fruit from that. That's why I just it's yeah. just stood out to me. But go on. Yeah, I'd like to hear more of that because yeah. I don't know a lot of the history there. But so my dad went to school there for two years, became a pastor, Spanish speaking and English speaking. He got his degrees. And then that's when I was born. So that's when I was born at that time. So then when he graduated, um, the first church they gave him, because, you know, denominational churches will do that. You graduate and then they say, I'm ready. And they'll go, okay, we have a church for you either in Mexico or in Nebraska. Hmm. Okay. So now this is 1968, right? And so my parents, I guess, asked for Mexico. And then the denomination said, okay, cool. We'll send you to Nebraska. <laughs> hmm. So 1968, right? Hispanic family of seven moves to Nebraska uh, at a city, 200 people, Chapman, Nebraska, right? And I was a baby. I was just maybe one or two years old. So uh, that's where my dad, you know, God used, God used my dad in ministry and my mom. My mom played the piano. Bro, my mom could sing. She had a wow. beautiful, mm. almost kind of like a borderline opera voice. Mm. Beautiful. So I'm here my, so that's how I grew up. My mom's on the piano singing. My dad's up there preaching. And so I'm just, I'm just, just saying that was none of me. I was just, mm. I was, I was just born in it. Right, so, right. I, yeah. I understand you're, you're giving credit to where it's due and not that there's not fruit that's been bared from it, but it's just not fruit that you and you plowed for. It's their right. plowing. Mm. I got you. I yeah, got yeah. You. Yeah. So that was my early years was in Nebraska. I grew up there as a pastor's kid. Were those fond know? memories? Like, as you think about that, this is good stuff or there's like. Those are good memories. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I was the baby. I was spoiled, mm. you know, and uh, I had good family. My two, my oldest brother uh, is a doctor. Um, my other brother is a retired high school teacher, hmm. strong Christians. Uh, my other sister, my sister is a retired, um, was in teaching and coaching, hmm. strong Christian. My other sister, that's, we could do a whole po- podcast on my oldest sister. Hmm. She's been through so much and, and, and now is an advocate for, for uh, women in terms of, um, she has a ministry ministering to women who've had abortions or mm. who are considering or things like that. My, my oldest sister reaches out to a lot of the That's women awesome. who are hurting mm. and different so, things like that. So we're really developing a story of, of the fruit of, of a family that is, that is like sold out to the Lord. Yeah. 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 Right. And so the crusade was a big deal, I guess mm. the Billy Graham crusade. So that's kind of what kicked it off, which is neat. We all have a story like that where we came to know the Lord mm-hmm. So then after about eight years, seven or eight years, we moved back to California. My parents wanted to come back to be closer to their parents. Mm. So we lived at the seminary for a year and they had, the seminary had apartments where we lived before. So we lived there again in Covina, Covina Hills. And then we moved to Azusa. And then for about four years, my dad was, um, they had something called the American Bible Society and that you promote the Bible in the Baptist mm. churches. So my dad would travel promoting the Bible and, and churches and supporting churches. I know I know about the American Bible Society because I taught at a retirement home for four years and I met a lot of their people hmm. like there at the last, I was like their last pastor and it was a wild, I learned more. I learned more in those four years. Like it was crazy, bro. But older people bring it different, dude. The ones who were yeah. there and they're even, even as you speak of it, I, I know a little bit about it because I've been around around stories about it but crusades were different then like 
mm-hmm. uh, not to sit, not to take anything from what crusades are doing now, but when you have a people that are removed from distraction the way they were in that time and super hungry for something they cannot find an alternate satisfaction for they can't you know there isn't like a like a social media that's providing a temporary like satisfaction. there's none of those things right and then here comes like a minister that is anointed by god and and the news spread by by word of mouth and like flyers put up old school right. you know and and people like would take work off and like do anything they had to do to get to these things and travel you know as a family from far off and stuff yeah and there's things that there's something about that bro that is captured in conversation with old people who are there you know elder people that experience that and they talk about it fellowship about it that i feel like people have never even heard of it in their mind. They just hear crusade. They think like, Oh, what they've seen or whatever. And not, not to take away from, I think they're working the best they can with what they have, but there's a different tone in the people, you know? And, and I, it like, I could hear it when you're talking about it. Cause I've, I've heard conversation about it. I'm like, wow, that was, that's the beginning of the fruit bared from your dad. Right. Is what you're saying. Like, and so now you guys are back in California and you're living at the sem at the seminary. Right. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. And it was interesting in Nebraska too, is you find out who your one thing I missed was you find out who your friends are. Cause you're remember I, met, I mentioned a Hispanic family of seven, mm. 1968. Mm-hmm. Oh, not yeah. everybody welcomes that. Wow, that's especially so small right. town. And small especially, town. Yeah. especially in the Midwest. Uh, in the yeah. Midwest. <laughs> that's what I was gonna yeah. say. So if you're familiar with the Midwest, on one side you you could have those kind of people. On the other side, you they were the nicest most loyal amazing people i've ever met in my whole life mm. is mm. literally there's people on a farm right. that welcome you in as your family and just are so loyal so you kind of have both on the ends interesting thing too is that for some reason the methodist pastor in the city they didn't they didn't have he left so the methodist church asked my dad if he would teach them so my dad was pastoring two churches at one a time. Baptist a Baptist church, church and a Methodist <laughs> church. That wow. is wild, yeah. dude. So that that shows something just that they like my dad. My dad was very personable. Mm. And, and there was a work that God was doing in him. Yeah. And then everybody loved my mom. So that was a, you know, it's kind of neat when you have that team ministry, a husband sure. and a wife, and they compliment each other. Mm. It's usually the wife, though, that shines brighter, which is fine. <laughs> the personality. Well, they're prettier by nature. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of cool. So we come back here. Azusa. Then that's when my mom told my dad, hey, I'd like to be closer to my parents in Lompoc. And so that's, we moved up to Lompoc when I was starting junior high. So I went to junior high and high school in Lompoc. Now, what's interesting, what's kind of funny is because I'm, I guess, what, third generation, I, I didn't learn Spanish. My grandparents spoke, my grandpa only spoke Spanish. I didn't speak Spanish. So there's a hard communication there. My grandma spoke a little bit of English. So when we started going to my grandpa's church in Lompoc, it was in Spanish. Mm. So I know like a hundred songs in Spanish. I don't know what they mean, but mm. I can sing them. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's cool. So through junior high, uh, that's the church I went to. So when I got to high school, I asked my dad, hey, dad, there's like a big church here in the town that a lot of the high school kids go to. Is it okay if I go there? Because, mm. you know, I'm not really learning anything here. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, you just didn't speak the language. So when I was a youth pastor, I was telling the, I would tell the youth group, some of you guys are sitting here in church and you're not clicking or maybe, you know, sometimes kids aren't comfortable in church or I go, Hey, I went to a church for two years. I didn't even speak the language, bro. <laughs> oh, wow. And I sat there for two years. 
I go, so none of you can, I think, beat that story. <laughs> you're not learning something. Right. I go, but uh, so I, and then I went to a church. It was a Nazarene church in the town that mm. had a big youth group. So that's where I went to, that's where I went to church when I was in high school. Mm. And uh, so that was kind of interesting. That's a lot of different ministry you're experiencing throughout this growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Mm -hmm. I'm picking yeah. that up too. D does that create a dynamic that you feel like exists in you now because you've just been exposed to so much different avenues of following Christ? Totally. Yeah. So you mentioned about Baptist and uh, I didn't have a, yeah. So I've been to so many churches. I've seen just so many different things, which is kind of neat to see people worship God in different ways. Mm. But then also you see things that are like, mm, that we wouldn't, I'm not used to when I came to Calvary Chapel that we don't do anymore, you know, maybe counting the attendance or giving the offering. I went to one church where, you know, you go up front, you give the offering in the front, in front of everybody. Everyone sees you give the offering. And so they know how much you're giving. Dang. <laughs> and they do, they take two offerings, you know. Um, but anyway, I've been to so many different mm. churches and experiencing different mm. ways that people worship and pastors teach. So that's why it was so refreshing later when I came to Calvary, mm. that it was so simple. And the first thing that drew me, which you probably heard, is the worship. The I didn't know like rock and roll kind of a style. I mm. wasn't used to that. You were hymns and stuff. Yeah, hymns and piano. Mm. Which is interesting because organ. once you're around like contemporary Christian music for a while, then you kind of miss hymns. True. And then, but then when you're around hymns for a long time, you're like, uh, this is church music, but I also like regular music. And then you hear what Christian version of like regular music? That's awesome, you know. Yeah. And, and it draws particularly young people that are raised under hymns and stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I finished high school. Uh, my parents moved to San Diego right after that for a short time. I went with them, went to junior college down there, played football, ran track, got involved in Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA. Hmm. Um, went to College Avenue Baptist Church in San Diego, which was right across the street from San Diego State. So it had a huge college age ministry. So I got, you know, joined that and got involved in that. And then my dream was to go to UCLA. That was my dream school growing up as a kid. My oldest brother went there. Uh, just a Bruin fan, you know, love yeah. sports and stuff and, and did that in high school. So I was able to transfer to UCLA. So I ran track at UCLA, which was a great experience. I had a mm. lot of, I was just happy to be on the team. I just walked on the team. I didn't get a scholarship. I walked mm. on, made the team and the athletes that we're running with were literally Olympic gold medalists, future world record holders, mm. um, like Kevin Young, Danny Harris, all these guys have been in the Olympics with gold medals mm. and I was just on the team. I was just happy. So that was my college experience. And then I got involved with a Christian group called the Navigators. So the Navigators, there was Navigators and Campus Crusade for Christ. Mm. Campus Crusade for Christ was started by Bill Bright and uh, was connected with kind of Billy Graham. But and it started at UCLA, Campus Crusade for Christ started at UCLA um, in the 70s. But I got involved with the Navigators, who was started by Dawson Trotman, and to minister to college kids. Mm. So it's pretty cool. You might be familiar with it, but let's say you were to join the organization then they would give you a college campus and you would be the representative on that campus. And it's your job to reach wow. the hmm. kids on that campus hmm. for Christ, either through evangelism or events or navigators was more discipleship. Hmm. That's what I was okay. looking for. So it was more, we'd memorize scriptures, we'd meet on a weekly basis. And that helped me get through those college years. Hmm. Just, just. So what was cool was I met a guy named Chris Cialini, who was the rep for navigators at UCLA. He had been praying for the school for years. He'd walk around the dorms just praying, like, Lord, how am I going to reach these kids? Hmm. So me and him met. It was like the perfect Lord put it together. So I'm on the seventh floor of my dorm, 
And Chris says, why don't we have a Bible study in your dorm room? I'm like, hey, let's go for it. So Chris would come do a Bible study around the seventh floor, the top floor. And then I was a junior at the time because I transferred and a lot of the kids on the floor were freshmen. It was, it was called the quiet floor. Mm. All these floors, a different athlete floor. I don't know how I got the quiet floor. <laughs> all these really smart kids, mm. you know? And so they would begin to come to the Bible study in my roommate. And by the end of the year, man, a lot of, a lot of kids accepted the Lord mm. um, just through the work that was being done there at the campus and in the dorm. So that was a huge blessing to be able to be a part of a ministry like that on a college campus, try to make an impact, mm-hmm. you know, at a secular, you know, liberal university. And that's where I wanted to go. I could have went to Azusa Pacific or Point Loma, but I was just like, man, I don't want to, I, and this sounds strange, but I, I don't want to go to a Christian school. I wanted to go where the, where, where there was mainly non-Christians. Yeah. Or there's a field to plow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Cause you're raised in ministry. So like your heart's like that. That was probably mm-hmm. it. Yeah. 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 I'm like, why well, I want to be surrounded by a bunch of Christians? Right. No offense, because right. I'm, I'm one too. Right. But I'd rather no, be I hear you. non-Christian so I can, you know, maybe make an impact. Yeah, there's something people. about that too, like in the construction world. Like, I mean, 90% of the time, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm sitting there asking God why I'm here, right? Because I feel like I'm surrounded with people that are like way better at the job than me and they're made more for this job. And I'm a communicator and there's little room for me to say anything, especially when I was a, an apprentice. Yeah. And, uh, and I... I'd be there and I'd be struggling, but there were days that I was like, I, I can't get this anywhere else. Like to be surrounded by mm. darkness makes your light really sh- shine, bro. And it and it it presents all these crazy opportunities. So yeah. I hear you on that for sure, mm. dude. Yeah. So that was good, man. That was that was a neat learning time. And, you know, when you're at that age, that college age or young people, you're trying to figure out your place in life and what God has for you. So I had those those days, too. I felt one of the things I did struggle with was um, just, you know, maybe growing up as a pastor's kid, you feel like you have to be at a certain level. Mm. You're the pastor's kid Mm. and the focus is on you. And so that pressure, there's a pressure there and you feel like you're never good enough no matter mm. what you do. And if you do do something wrong, you either better not get caught mm. <laughs> uh, and you have to learn how to get away with it. So the fortunately thing, fortunate thing was that I had two older brothers, two older sisters. So I saw their mistakes. Mm. I saw what they got caught for. <laughs> yeah. And so there was a, t- when we were in Nebraska, my parents took on three foster, foster girls. There was these two girls from uh, Puerto Rico. They were twins. <laughs> And no one could control them. So the judge who knew my dad and the parents, my parents asked my parents, no one can control these kids. Like, could you, would you want to try it? And my parents were like, yeah. So we took in three foster girls. So there was, there was eight now. Oh my. And there was what, 10 total in the house. What was crazy in Nebraska, we, they, my parents bought a house that had, I was just telling my daughter the other day, it had nine bedrooms. It's three levels. Yeah. A basement two stories on top, mm. two kitchens, nine bedrooms. Wow. So everyone had a room. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. You know? So that's the house I grew up in. Full right? house. It was just a full house. Yeah. And then my then having foster sisters and I'm the youngest. So I definitely saw, you know, one time my dad was, these girls, they didn't have family, you know, they didn't know anything. So one time they asked my dad, they were going out, can I go out? You know, they call him dad. 
goes, yeah, what time should I come back? And my dad would say, well, they've never been parented before. They said, so my dad said, um, what time do you think you should be back? And she says, well, maybe like nine. Okay, it's fine. So then the next sister comes, the twin. Say, dad, can I go out too? Said, okay, well, what time, what time should I be back? What time do you think you should be back? And she said, 11? He goes, okay. So the other one came back, hey, that's not fair. Like, why does she get to, wait, wait, wait I, just, I asked you. I asked you what time you should be back. So they were learning how to be, you know. There's like a Bible study in that, I think, too, right? That's pretty good, dude. Didn't Jesus give that in a parable? You were happy with 9 o'clock until you saw what somebody else. That's great, dude. Yeah, there's definitely a sermon in that. That's funny. That's fun, dude. So that was some good times growing up like that. So then when I graduated, um, you know, some time went by and I got married. Um, My wife's name is Bridget. And um, we lived in Thousand Oaks. And so this was the time I was just getting married and trying to figure out a career. I had studied psychology and I just took the degree that study because I just wanted to work with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't necessarily I was you know, into the whole psychology thing, but just the study of the mind, working with people, social work. So I mm-hmm. got involved in social work. I, I'm kind of I'm sorry to put you on pause just because yeah. I, I don't. That, that's a deep subject for me and, and there's i have some questions so, like yeah. sorry sorry let's don't lose your train of thought okay. but i, I want to do a parenthesis real okay. quick um so i'm extremely intrigued with people's minds um my mom when i was a kid used to call me a people genius you say i don't know what you, my mom was a simple woman she's like i don't know really what makes a genius but i believe there's different kind of geniuses she told me and she said, I think you're a people genius. Because since I was a kid, there was like just things I'd be aware of that other people weren't. And um, I'm also aware that in the study and emphasis of psychology, people can get kind of lost because they're they're so focused on trying to, you know, narrow in on things that they lose the simplicity sometimes, especially ministers mm-hmm. that get really into psychology. They think Jesus kept it simple. I mean, imagine how deep he could have dived, mm-hmm. right? Knowing what people are like. So there's like a, a little battle between the depth of psychology when I meet people and talk to them yeah. and then the simplicity of keeping it simple and, and just giving people what the Lord says and watching the, the impactfulness, right? Yeah. But for you, do you find that it is helpful, the things that you've learned concerning psychology when it comes to ministering to people and under, perceiving people when mm-hmm. you're talking to them? Well, I think you mentioned a good point that you you said you kind of have a um, an interest in human behavior, mm. right? So I try to, you know, I don't focus on the the titles in terms of psychology, psychotherapy, all the psychoanalysis. All, like, okay, those are too fancy for me. Just people, mm. right? Let's, let's get to know people and try to help as we communicate, and maybe God will reveal. So as Christians, it's cool. We ask. So I've, I've always prayed for the gift of discernment mm-hmm. to be able to minister to people and so it's helped jumping ahead a little bit but it's helped lately just because at the church i do some i do some biblical counseling you know i'm not a professional counselor mm-hmm. but using biblical counseling and people who've been through trauma and, and abuse and just different situations the lord has put them in my life mm-hmm. to minister to, to to let it get deep because mm-hmm. these are deep issues but the Lord can handle it. Mm. Jesus can handle anything. The Holy Spirit can handle anything. And so, so it is interesting. I have the same interest. So my brother, who's a doctor, he's actually a psychologist. Mm. You know, he's a Christian. He's a strong Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was his field. Mm. And he's, he worked in prisons 
in mental hospitals, but always as a Christian, hmm. you know, and so I admire him. I look up to him a, a lot. He's one of, one of my role models. When you life. watch him with people, are you aware that he's like super aware of, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Because that's the one thing that is yeah. interesting. Like, okay, so I'll meet people because we do these, these conversations are great for that as far as just, you can really see how deep someone is like when you're talking to them, right? Mm. And you're listening to them talk. And it's wild to me layers like of people like oh, i'm looking at a person and then all of a sudden i'm like wow like there's there's almost a level of like knowing what someone's thinking or like watching them you know what i mean and, yeah. and then i'm like dang i wonder if there's if you like because i've never developed that skill other than conversation like i love conversation i've been around conversations yeah. since i was a kid so but if you fine-tune that does that become like you know, <laughs> where do you draw the lines as to you're not mm. trying to get in somebody's head? You know what I mean? Or you're spotting things that they're telling you that's telling that's yeah. telling you like they're having trouble with their marriage or they're having because they're glazing over subjects or whatever, you know. Yeah. Good point. I mean, I think the cool thing about being a Christian and following the Bible is that it's just gifts. God mm. will give you certain gifts. There you go. And if you have that gift that God has given you to be able to listen and to maybe discern. Perceive and discern, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the good part. It's, it's, yeah. it's the Lord keeping it simple. I, I was yeah. gonna say I like how He just kept it simple for yeah. me right now. Isn't that I was great? like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that, <laughs> isn't that great, dude? Yeah. Uh, and we all can use that too. I mean, a friend is going through something, you help them through it. You don't have to be a, you know, you don't have to think you have the gift or not or be a get a degree in anything. The Lord right. can use you at any time. That's super anywhere. true. And you'll see yeah. people that they they're not normally that way, but the prompting of the Holy Spirit and just gives them the insight in a moment. And all of a sudden, they yeah. know, they say the right thing at the right time to somebody, you know? Yeah. So it's funny. I remember when I started teaching at the Bible college at, at Diamond Bar, um, that was one of the questions one of the pastors asked me. Hey, I see you got a degree in psychology. Like, you don't see that as a conflict of interest? And I was like, no, I, I just I just got that so I could work with people. Mm -hmm. I just wanted, that was the only degree I could see where I could be like, do social work. Mm -hmm. I go, so no, I don't. And he was like, oh, okay. So it was interesting how it came up as a point or an issue that they were just kind of checking me out to yeah. see what if I was going to be all. But, and it worked because when I graduated, I got a job at a place called Pacific Lodge Boys Home, which is where my heart was at. So I worked, I was a counselor where they would bring in kids from juvenile hall. So they didn't want them to sit in juvenile hall. They wanted them to have like a kind of a home environment. Mm. And it was a placement. So this placement held about 50 kids. There was about four houses on the property. It was in Woodland Hills. And it was cool. You know, they went to school there. There was a gym, swimming pool. We were coaches and counselors. Um, we told them when to go to bed. You know, another shift came in, when to wake up, took them to breakfast, lunch. But it was not a locked facility, which mm -hmm. I liked. So the kids could run away anytime. And some did. But then they would there would be a, a, a warrant out for them. And mm -hmm. they knew that. And if wow. they got once once they got caught, they'd go back to juvenile hall. Mm -hmm. So they just knew. Most of them knew. They're burning themselves. Correct. Right. Just better to stay here and mm -hmm. put in my time. So I love that job. You know, that was there for about four or five years as mm -hmm. a counselor at a boys' home. That was just loved it. It just it didn't didn't pay very much. So yeah, <laughs> when you're getting married and trying to start, a, I you hear know, you. That I had to look elsewhere after a couple of years. Mm -hmm. But the Lord used that. The cool thing too is that I just happened to they put me in one of the houses where the other counselor older strong christian guy from nigeria mm. oh man i still remember those days just uh, a godly man mm. his thick nigerian accent oh, and he would it. use stories 
as illustrations to the kids. I don't, I don't know about you, but that the accent penetrates, doesn't it, dude? I spent time in in Africa, and and uh, dude, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think I don't know. Anyways, what country? I was in I was in Kenya. I was in Nairobi, Kenya, oh, in Kibera, the second largest slum in the entire world. Wow. Yeah, I went there. Um, me and do you remember Merritt Robinson? He was a youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. Okay, yeah, I can remember the name. Yeah. yeah. Um, black guy, super cool guy. Um, mm. I went with him and a small group of guys to to Nairobi, wow, uh, Kenya, and Kibera specifically, second largest slum in the world, only wow. only second to the one in uh, India. Mm. And if you see a picture of it, Google it sometime. Uh, Kibera, it, it 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 is mind blowing. When you're standing in the middle of it, you literally and there's kind of like a arch uh, in one direction that you look, and literally the slum will go as far as your eye could see. Hmm. Just just yeah. and and people have gone in there without somebody guiding them around and got lost and died, like just from not being able to find their way out of wow. that because there's no straight lines, right? Because the the it's just random little homes right next to each other that go on for miles. Mm. So there's no streets. There's no, there's wow. no official roads or like signs. It's just, and, there, and there's no law like officially it's everything is just as dangerous as whatever person you happen to be close to. So wow. it's like certain places are really nice people next to you and certain places yeah. are just the worst people next to you. And where did we, you stay? We stayed in there in, wow. yeah, in, in a little, we were in a, a, a facility that they taught Bible studies at. It's like a church. Mm -hmm. um, but it was in the center of it. And when we would go to sleep at night, we would have to go into where the sleeping quarters are and close a prison door and lock it wow. and sleep over each other. And at night, people would just come right into the house and just look around, scrounge, and you could see them through that gate if you sit, sat there wow. and, and, you, and looked out that little you know, gate or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so you made sure you brought everything of importance, everything of worth in there with you because it would be stolen or just mm -hmm. randomly. People would just go through. There's no way to stop people wow. from just randomly going through there. And uh, it was a scary thing, but it brought out, bro, those Bible studies were not recorded. It was me mm -hmm. and Merritt teaching back to back. We taught, um, both of us taught three times a day. We went through an ent the entire book of Romans together and uh, me and him tag teaming back and forth, just back and forth like wow. that. And awesome. those, and I'm glad that those sermons weren't recorded because it left room for God to go as big as he wanted to go. And I remember when I came back and uh, was mopping a floor at Golden Springs, mm -hmm. I remember it felt like a, like a movie or something because, because rewind only three days. And now, and I'm like riding into a town in a little thing called the Matatu, which is like a tiny, tiny little bus. And the people are running out from the town as we're going through this little dirt road and they hold their babies up and you put your hand out and they just want to, they just want to touch your hand, dude. They just want, and then they all travel for hours to come and hear you teach. It's like people sitting on the floor in the, in the hallways and yeah. the doorways and just all random. Right. And I was, I was young. I was a young man. Wow. I don't think I was mature enough to really have the ability to do that but i was called there by the lord the lord had opened up that door and i knew he had put me there and Merritt knew that he was called there and that we i was called there to teach with him mm. we went through the entire book and so this day i feel like i can't get as much out of romans as i did when i was mm. there 
I feel like I can't like whatever God did there was amazing. And yet it wasn't recorded to be able to be like, look what we did. Or it was for those people. And I came back and I I was absolutely like nobody. And it was, it was amazing. It was the greatest feeling in the world. Like mopping the floor and then just like smiling. Like, yeah, I was just like on a hilltop that was (laughs) unbelievable, dude. Mm, And, and it's just beautiful. Like I, I, I find myself like, still thanking God to this day, just at the memory of that experience. But that's yeah. a super big derailment off just because of Nigeria. a, a Nigerian accent. But. <laughs> no, that's worth it, man. No, I'm glad you shared that, bro. Mm-hmm. So that was a blessing um, to get to know him mm-hmm. and his perspective. Like you said, he grew up in, mm-hmm. in you know, Nigeria and stuff. But so that was neat. And then being able to like, since we're both Christians, we, you know, we shared the Lord with these kids you know, in the home. That's dope. And they're hurting, you know, I've been through a lot. And so um, that was neat just to use that as a ministry, Mm. you know, to the Lord and to serve. And so then uh, when I stepped out to move my career, so that's when I got a a social work job, a little better job, better paying in Irwindale. So that's what brought us out to the San Gabriel Valley. Mm. So my wife and I moved out um, to back to Azusa. My dad still had a condo out there. And I always told myself for whatever reason, when my, my oldest sister first went to West Covina, Calvary Chapel with mm. Pastor Rawl mm. years ago. And then, so she's the first one in our family, you know, to kind of like break off the Baptist and then check out this church. Mm. And she couldn't stop talking about it, you know? And so I was young when I visited for the first time and heard Pastor Rawl. And I always, I said, for whatever reason, I said, if I ever move back to this area, this is, this is my church. Hmm. Well then, you know, 15 years later or 10 years later, I moved back to the area and I started going to, to Diamond Bar. So I had moved. Yeah. 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 So I got saved in that West Covina when I was seven years old. Okay. I didn't get plugged into church. So my mom was just desperately um, trying to seek God. We were a Catholic family and Catholics always believe that. God's at church, like you go visit God at church, you know? Yeah. And so she tried to go to the closest church. We lived in Baldwin Park, which was right on the borderline where that church was. And she got news that she got, she had terminal cancer. So she oh. tried to walk to the closest church. The church right at the end of our block was closed. She hung a right. Then she hung another right at the first street and walked about three blocks up. And that's where Calvary Chapel, West Covina was. Happened yeah. to walk there when... On Puente right there. Yeah. Happened to walk there when a sermon was going. It was a Wednesday evening service. Um, and she had me by the hand. I was seven years old. And we walked into there. And Pastor Rawl, we sat in their little foyer area. Pastor yeah. Rawl just blaring a sermon, right? Like super <laughs> raw, old school Rawl, right? Which was just like fire, right? It was like almost unhinged, but in a sharp way. Not in just like a loose way. Just very a man on fire. Right. And, and as a kid, I was obsessed with, uh, with, uh, like knights and dragons and kingdoms and those things. That was my thing. Right. Some kids are cowboys and Indians. Mine was like swords and like knight stuff. I, I was obsessed with it as a kid and he happened to be teaching about the King of Kings. And so he was referencing a lot of things about like Mm -hmm. a King of the Kings and in my young mind, I didn't hear the King of Kings as like a title of like, uh, it just sounded like he was the King of the Kings, like all the Kings that I've ever yeah. heard of, you know, he's the <laughs> one, he's their King. That's cool. And, uh, 
And he said, uh, and this king knows you, knows your name since before you were born. And he has a plan for your life. And I, as a seven-year-old dude, like everybody disappeared. I was like, me, that's me. Like mm. the king of the kings knows. And you picture a, a boy who's obsessed with, you know, and you know the stories, right? Like a king rides down and meets a young lad and he gives him a special <laughs> sword or something like that, yeah. you know? And, and those things are in my head. And so I'm like, the king of the kings knows who I am since before I was born, has mm -hmm. a plan for my life. And like, dude, they did an altar call. My aunt was wow. with us. And and she was like, no, 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 because we were Catholic. We know what these people are doing. You know, my mom was like, let him. Like, don't. She's in a, she's at a mm -hmm. pivot point in her life. And she's yeah. like, she's facing death. And wow. she's like, if this is God, if this is real, and my son wants it, like, don't stop him. And I went forward, dude. Went forward. We were sitting in the back. There was like children's ministry. I wasn't in children's ministry. I was sitting in the foyer. Wow. Went forward through those double doors all the way to the front of the aisle right there. Received the Lord. Then they said, oh, you know, how, you know, the, the moment when they're like, anybody want to go off to the yeah. side and everybody retreats back. But I was just like, OK, what, what's let's next? do this door. You know, I went <laughs> through the door and God bless this guy, dude. He he kneels down, older guy. He kneels down in front of me and he wanted to make sure that I knew what I was doing. Mm. And he was like, did your mommy ask you to come up here? And I was like, oh, no, no, like did like what made you come up here and i was like well like i was saying that the king of the kings knew who i was and i already believed that i already believed that there was a, a god who he knows me like i'm i he's gonna do something with me yeah. and, and i just didn't know where to start and he's telling me like give your life to him you know and so that's what i did and yeah. dude this guy this oh i'll never forget it he had a ponytail and a beard white hair white beard wow. and dude he's tears start coming out of his eyes as i was talking to him that impacted me crazy unfortunately i didn't get church culture mom got really sick after that we mm. we walked up the street it wasn't like family was like you know and so i didn't get plugged in so then i lived a lot of my life with this memory of meeting the lord but having no like mm. lord around me yeah and when when i found myself like uh at the end of my rope right gonna commit suicide it was as if mm. it was as if a tape recorder was pushed play and like I could remember every word of that altar call that were like wow. raw like raw's voice even like wow. I, I yeah. it wasn't audible it was just but a memory that I hadn't thought about for like 10 years and just surfaced in my mind right before I was gonna kill myself I had a 45 in my hand I was gonna blow my freaking head off dude so wow. and uh, I remember hearing that and I I just stopped and I was like, I remember, like I remember, hmm. and I still believe that. And I was like, all right, let's see, like this is where I ended. So let's see, yeah, let's see where you, where what, hmm. you know, what you could do wow. from here. And that's where that was like starting line, like literally started, like ending things fell apart after that. Like, how old my, were you when you when you gonna kill myself? Went forward, I was seven. How old were you when you said that? uh twenty? Wow. Okay. Seven. You went up at seven. I went up at seven. Wow. And I was a pretty smart, I was a pretty sharp kid, dude. Yeah. Like I, I I was raised with older brothers and older parents. And so yeah. most of my youth, I sat at tables and watched people talk. Yeah. Like I would sit quietly. The only reason I could stay at the tables if I was quiet and listened. So I but I'm obsessed with watching them play cards. I mean, my dad was a smoker, but people played cards, but they were yeah. deep, they were All thinkers, right. they were deep conversationalists, yeah. right? And so I was obsessed with wanting to be at the table and watch them play cards or whatever so i learned to be quiet but i all i did was listen to adults talk and yeah. my my on my dad's side of the family my aunt's like 
the number one professor in pre-Columbian arts in, 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 you know, she teaches at Columbia and New York. Um, yeah. So she's up there, dude. And so their conversations were like, they were deep. Right. So at Mm. a super young age, I've, I've listened to people like talk and communicate and I've watched people try to sit at tables and have like no communication skills and kind of just not have nothing to say. And so I had, I had perception like really young, man. And I Mm. knew, I felt like I understood everything that he was saying. Mm. And I was able to articulate to like a pastor at seven years old, that why I went like, you know, with confidence, what, what I was doing, you know, but unfortunately I didn't, I didn't get that gap right there, bro. Is a sad, like gap. It's like, um, you know, my mom's in and out of, she eventually would die, Mm. but it, remission and then sick again and then when she was sick she was really sick you know and my yeah. dad was a marine so he would shut down kind of you know and he was connected dude he was a loving my dad's a loving man still but i think he was just dealing with what he was dealing with and working and just yeah. so anyways i i don't want to get too far yeah. into that story but mm. but it's uh <clears throat> to to circle back to how west covina dude yeah uh it's funny you made me think of a Something I'm teaching this class at the, at the church on Calvary's Chapel. His, a little bit of ha- history of Calvary Chapel. I'm just filling in for maybe mm-hmm. two weeks doing that. And so you made me think of a song. They said in 1971, um, maybe. Um, keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah of course. Um, that group called Love Song. Yeah, I like know. During the hippie days. I know. I know. Well, they said the first song that really just made an impact that the Lord used, mm-hmm. Pastor Chuck was saying, uh, was a title called Welcome Back. Oh, I know the song. Right. Welcome back. So when you said at 20, you heard that the Holy Spirit brought that to you, your memory of when you were seven. Yep. I don't know. Just thought of that song right now. Like, hey, bro, I, you know, welcome back. Yeah. And that's what years. it was. That's what it was. He, he, you know, not to derail too much into my story, but he, mm. he taught me something ridiculous, good and deep in, in that. He, he taught me that the truth of no satisfaction once once you're you've tasted his goodness because i couldn't even tether it together mm-hmm. as to why when i was doing everything that people around me were doing sex you know alcohol like yeah i wasn't as happy as the person right next to me yeah I wasn't as happy as like other guys that were like, you'd think like, well, maybe if I get this, I'll be, and I would watch other friends that were having a good time. And I couldn't figure out why I'm sitting in the backyard at a party and why I'm looking at um, my friends so happy with like mm-hmm. a beer in their hand and I'm not happy. Mm. Like, how come I'm not happy? Like, how come yeah. this is doing it for people and it's not doing it for me? What, what I later would kind of believe or come to realize is the seed had been planted and the taste of like God's love. Yeah. And so everything was counterfeit. And like, I was aware of it without being aware of yep. any of the depth of what I should yeah. know about in Christ. That's and so I, all I had was, and what I concluded was that I'm just a depressed person that I'm, that there's something wrong with me and I'm just not happy with life. And that's why I got to the conclusion of like taking my life, mm. which is why I'm very sympathetic yeah. concerning the topic of, of suicide. Yeah. But.
Okay, so this is where kind of maybe ministry kind of begins. So I, I got married and uh, um, started going to, to Calvary Chapel Diamond Bar. And then I was doing social work in Irwindale. So the job was really cool, man. I was um, I was a counselor. We could hire young kids, uh, young adults, say 17 to 24. Pretty fascinating program. Uh, the guy who started this was, they did construction kind of work. So we had a contractor who would go to certain cities and get contracts and do uh, paint a house or do roofing, install windows for low-income housing. Mm. So the low-income housing area would apply to the city. They'd get approved. The city would call us. We'd send a contractor with like, so I'm not putting myself back in those days, with four homies, mm -hmm. four of the homies. So we hired kids that are, you know, mostly in gangs and stuff from Azusa, West Covina, La Puente, Valinda, um, all those areas. We served those areas and, and we got a government contract. So we got the homies going out, learning from a contractor. Mm. And at the same time, the homeowners getting free work done. Mm. So it was really a great program. Right. You kind of wish in some ways it can be replicated at mm. some point. Right. So the guys were getting skills. Then one day a week they go to school to pass the GED. Mm. Bob didn't finish high school. And we could pay them. We paid a minimum wage at that time. So it was work. They're getting some money in their pocket. Right. Um, so and learning and like doing something good for other people. And yeah. Yeah. So heck yeah. Working. Uh, so again, that kind of go back to the lingo, right? Working with the homies. And so I have another lingo. I do know I am bilingual and like, uh, you know. And even in English, okay. even within English. <laughs> yeah. From the neighborhoods. <laughs> That's uh -huh. funny, dude. And so this was like 1995, 96 when I started there. And uh, then we had some racial, you know, there was a lot of gang issues going on in the 90s. I was right? going to say 90s, bro. That's, yeah, popping off. Mm -hmm. I was in Baldwin Park in the 90s, so we were seeing oh, it man. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot, and, and some racial stuff going on, yeah. right, with Mexicans yeah. 100%, and blacks. 100% blacks war with each other, killing each other. Yeah. So I remember one time we got a, a young guy from Monrovia, um, a black guy, African-American guy. And uh, a lot of the, the guys from the Zusa West Covina area didn't want to work with them. Mm -hmm. But I just said, man, if, you know. I'm sorry, bro. Like if you don't work, if you don't work with him, you can't work here. Like I mm. gotta let you go, you know? And so they needed to keep their job. So they had to work with them. They had to work with them. And so they chose to, and, and, and the Lord used that to mm, be able I to bet. just mm. under, under the right leadership. That's a great teachable moment. I like just, and yeah, I remember one time the kind of the guy, the leader, like the Zusa one and the Monrovia guy, I had him in the classroom. So we had a classroom just to ourselves. So it was just the three of us, those mm. two guys and me chalkboard, Put a put their names, um, uh, you know. Put a line down. Tell me about your life. Everything about your life. Wrote it down. Tell me everything about your life. Wrote it down. I go, dude. This they're identical. Wow. You both didn't have a dad. You both had a, a daughter. Um, you both dropped out of school. You both got in gangs. You both been in jail. You both just identical. I go, you're the exact. And then put down their goals. All your goals are the same. Hmm. I go, you guys are the exact same person except for the color of your skin, you know? So, so God was able to use. That's so dope, that. bro. And then what was cool <laughs> is, uh, man, they give me chills. Fury to freedom, mm -hmm, you yeah. know, Pastor Rawls movie. I would, cause I had the classroom all to myself. I was teaching life skills. Didn't do anything. Dude, I showed that movie so many times. I'd pop in Fury to freedom. Um, we'd go through things. I was learning at church with Pastor Rawls prophecy, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do a timeline. 
you know, 2000 years and you got Abraham and then you got Christ and then 6000 years until today. And so they think right now the rapture is going to happen. You got Noah's flood. Put it on a chalkboard. Yeah. And these, mm -hmm. these, you know, the homies are like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like man, that's great, dude. So it was a blessing, man, to have that connection with these young guys. How? I didn't have that kind of growing up, yeah. So I don't know exactly why God was using me, other than just obviously to show love. So like He gave me a heart. You know, the, my mom always told me you're gonna you're gonna serve. Mm. Like you've had a good life. You know, we we've raised you up. Like just go help people, go serve people. So I think that's what attracted me to the to the social work into a lot of these young guys. One time I remember bringing, I would fill my van, fill the van up with a bunch of young guys. For whatever reason, it was a Wednesday night, Diamond Bar, and it just happened to be the biggest guys that I've ever had on the work crew. Mm. One, one guy, his nickname was Big Show, mm -hmm. huge guy. Another guy, super tall, a couple guys buff, and they're all in my van, like five guys. Took him to Diamond Bar, raw on fire, just, mm. you know, Pastor Rock, God's using him. All of them get up. To go to go oh, forward, man. Mm. Big dudes, Mexican, black, and uh, and as the last one starting to go forward, he, he turns to me. He goes, "Come up with this." So I'm like, "Okay." So I get up. So I'm like standing next to these big dudes, five guys, and I'm just standing there, you know, <laughs> rolls right there. That's you know, crazy. But anyway, Exper experiencing their altar call for the mm. <laughs> first hand right there, like that. That's cool, yeah. dude. So those some good experiences there. Uh, so in terms of ministry, now where I was, there was a time when. Um, when I first started going to Diamond Bar and just got married and had the start of the job there, there was that time when I felt disconnected that I wasn't, that's before I started serving at the church. So I'm a Christian and, um, but I'm busy with my career, starting to have kids, my two little girls at the time and just busy, busy, busy. You know, when you have babies, you're so, just so busy or swamped, but I felt disconnected from, I wasn't serving and from ministry. And so um, I remember sitting and then just Pastor Raw, man, mm. you know, you know, I love Pastor Raw so much. He's the one that God used to just reignite that fire mm. in me. It had been maybe two or three years where I just kind of felt like I was just going in circles mm. as a Christian. I wasn't really close to the Lord at that time. I felt I was a Christian, you know, but um, just consumed with just life and kids and marriage and work and bills. And, you know, mortgage and different things that were new to me as a young dad. But when Pastor Rawls said Bible college, hey, mm. we have a Bible college. I felt like the Lord said, you need to go to Bible college. Mm. Like, okay. Yeah. So that's when it began. That's when the the kind of the ministry process began in terms of just being active at Diamond Bar. And, uh, and re so I took 1999, I took the life of Christ with Pastor Jesse. Yeah, it wasn't even the Bible college. It was still the Bible school. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's bro. That's so. That's really one of the things that just kicked off. Well, I'll come back to something else too. Just my love for the Bible. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with God's word. I just couldn't get enough of God's word. I was like, this is what I was missing. I was missing mm -hmm. just systematically going through the Bible. That's so interesting. Instead of just reading, you know, you have you have third generation ministry minded people. And yet somewhere in that process, you miss what what we now, right, would say the the fundamental, right? But that tells yeah. me there's something great in this, what you're saying right now, because people need to know this, right? That tells me that you can have authentic, true Christianity, real, going to heaven, God using your life, 
and not be getting something that is that is detrimental and essential for your healthy Christianity. And I think there's a lot of Christians living there. Hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, they, they're, they're aware of what God's doing in them, through them, how much they love Jesus. They're involved. They're helping out. They're like, they're yeah. doing, they're, they, they're called. But if they don't understand the connection to the Father through the Word of God, they're like starving. They're like malnutrition in like some area that all the other stuff's growing just the way it should. But there's like this thing that's like, crippled in a way you know and that's like totally. the biggest source like the mm -hmm. big like the biggest power we have as christians is like right. knowing the lord through his word right so that's yeah. that's just my not mind-blowing but it's it, it's teach mm -hmm. it's teaching me something right yeah. because i can get i could look around and see like the sheep healthy like dude they're good i'm watching them like they're they're you know this kid he's serving yeah. he's helping or he's you know there's are healthy people as far as i could see but if I don't dig a little bit deep enough to find out that if they're in their word or not, there there could be there could be them missing that like a cavity, mm. you know, in their Christianity. Mm. Yep. And the, the the fronts are pearly white, dude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there's yeah. a, a bad cavity back there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, though, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was that just that because because right. your your story is that you're walking with the Lord the whole way. Yeah. But then you get to this place where you're not. There's something kind of missing you didn't walk away from the lord you're not backslidden you're just yeah and so now i'm kind of remember the years now so tech so actually my daughter was born in 1998 and then i started going to bible school in 1999 so what happened was and this is really where it started the lord used uh, when my daughter was born so i remember in my kitchen over in that condo at the time in azusa before i moved to covina and i was holding her she must have been just maybe two three months old and i was just holding her in the kitchen just like like wow this is and I remember I had like a moment. I just, um, I just kind of felt like God's love just kind of poured over me, hmm. and I just couldn't believe that I was holding this little girl. She was my daughter, and I remember looking at her, and it was, it was kind of like as if she was almost like speaking to me. Hmm. Maybe my own thoughts. It was just kind of like the, the the questions that came to my mind were, like she was thinking, like, "Who are you? Hmm. Uh, are you going to be a good father to me?" Are you going to stay, provide for me? Are you going to show me the ways of the Lord? I felt this immense pressure on me as a Christian father that from that day forward, every action I took, every action I took and everything I did mattered to her. Hmm. And it was just overwhelming. Hmm. But then I felt God's love. Hmm. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm with you. And it was a moment for me and that's basically at that moment is when I rededicated my life to the Lord and just said, Lord, whatever way I've been serving you, I'll go whatever that looks like above and beyond, like whatever you want to do. You have my whole life. I just want to stay focused on you. I want to serve you. I don't know what that looks like, but you, you, you got me hmm. for this little girl. And so, so that's, that's that moment. And then, and then a year later when Bible college opened up, Bible school. That's when I kind of jumped at that and began to serve and to be active in the church and just to see what God, what God had for me. Mm. So the cool thing is she's 24 now. Mm. So every time she has a birthday, it mm. reminds me of that moment of that yeah. moment. And I can say with all my heart, you know, I'm not, I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect, but I can say with all my heart, I haven't gone to the right. You remembered that to and the left to, and, yep. and to this moment, like right now it's, it's what, keeps me grounded 
is that moment mm-hmm. has not has never left me. It's like as if it happened yesterday. Yeah. And she is every time she has a birthday, it reminds me of my vow and my dedication to the Lord. Mm-hmm. She's almost like a living, you know, yeah. memory. And uh, and so mm-hmm. it's neat how God uses my kids and, and my other kids too have some stories too. But for me, God used my kids in a big way mm-hmm. too. That's You're not living for yourself anymore in that moment. Exactly. Mm. That's, that's exactly. It's not about me anymore. Mm. Yeah. So I, I had a, a similar, I'm, I'm a dad. My daughter's going to be two in February. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> a little girl, dude. And there's something, awesome. something unique there. Uh, yeah. You can get it with your boys too. I'm sure, you know, but <laughs> there's something it'll do to you, especially if you have any, well, for me, like history of like pride or whatever, just kind of, a humbling like yeah but i had i had a similar moment but it came from the opposite through the opposite doorway i I was really struggling as a young dad because i could feel nothing like Hmm. i i would hear i would see dads especially christian dads with their little girls like there was something magical there and the first time i held my daughter like i i I felt like i felt nothing and i was like something i'm doing there's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. like um I'm like missing pieces or something. Like I felt like a monster, dude. It was a weird feeling. Like I just was like, dude, you're not, you're a monster. Like mm-hmm. you can you don't even feel nothing like for your daughter. What's the matter with you? You know? Yeah. And I felt like a, an immense pressure, like, like just like, and the Lord's like, I made you mm-hmm. like, I made you the way that you are because of what I'm going to do in your life. Like, don't question me. Like you will love this little girl. And I, and in that moment, I just was like, the Lord is the love of my life. And, and he gave me this little girl, like, Mm. you know, and, and that's his plan. That's what he's doing. And it, and it like changed, oddly enough, it kickstarted like a love for my daughter. But like up until that moment, like I, I I was something, I felt like something was wrong, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was into my, she must've been like six months or something and i was like dude something's wrong with me you know like you know i started analyzing myself like i didn't cry when i got married like i had something wrong with me you know what i mean (laughs) i think i cried too much when i was a kid and then when my mom died something happened you know i just was like Mm -hmm. but um but the lord brought like he taught me like crazy things through that dude like it's crazy you know and i feel different now because of that but yeah so that that's that's yeah. wild though dude mm. and then so like do you have are you married Sal? no you, uh i'm engaged yeah. right now i'm gonna oh, get married oh, in yeah. april yeah oh, nice man so okay. we're looking forward to that <laughs> yeah it's good, that's yeah. a good chapter bro it's yeah. cool watching like god it's exciting just mold him even yeah right a lot now. of the things too you guys have been talking about my my dad was ministered to by pastor raw over the radio and that was his driving force of and he would hear them talking about diamond bar calvary chapel at the time okay and then so because this is like maybe 90s like early 90s yeah so he started to wanted to go seek what this guy was who was teaching the word of god because he was like if i if i could learn the bible like that guy that's what i want to do so he went to to golden springs because of that brought my family my i have three older sisters they were jumping in and i was maybe like two years old uh, so I was born 91. 
And then, so I kind of grew up in this Christian home. And some of the things that you're referring to is like the difference when you went from the first early stages of Bible college yeah, and like diving into the word. That was for me, um, listening, start beginning to listen to Chuck Smith. Like I didn't really know mm-hmm. too much about Chuck Smith. Yeah. But because I took a class, a Bible college class where then he started to teach the word, just go through the Bible with him. Yeah. It really started to open up how deep and how simple too it can he can make it the Bible seems sometimes mm. where it's like, oh, okay, I, I could understand that. Where it wasn't like this big giant thing that I had to like, you know, yeah. be a scholar to understand. But he broke it down for me in a way where I was like, okay, I could I could understand that. Yeah. And then that kind of catapulted just my my personal, I think, love for the word and even for teaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so too, yeah, like I, cool. I, 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 always, I always get choked up when I say this. I always feel weird. I, I teach the Bible. I'm a pastor of a small church um, that we have here in my backyard. Uh-huh. Um, and that started uh, close to two years ago now. Um, oh, cool, so yeah, awesome. so that's kind of where, where I'm at. So a lot of the things you're, you're saying new, to Mike and I'm picking up on, it's like, man, like it's cool to see how God can use so many different people in different ways. But I am more curious too, if you want to get back into, so then what happens after you're in Bible college now? Yeah. Now that you rededicate, like you sort of have this new fresh start with the Lord and you're like, all right, I'm your servant 100%. So good question. So get my time, my timeline, right. Uh, was in 96, my daughter was born. Uh My other daughter was born in 98. Got you. And I started Bible school in 99. Okay. Got you. Um, and so now something interesting was taking place that I'm still learning today. And, 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 um, was when my wife and I were married about maybe six, seven years, six, we were started having problems. We, we were, um, my wife didn't seem happy. We seemed tired all the time. Um, I was starting Bible school at the same time. Maybe that was you know part of it. I'm still kind of processing it as, in some ways for some different reasons. Um, and so about six or seven years in, it got to the point where we were arguing a lot. Kids were little. And, um, and so then it was just getting worse, you know, and I thought, man, I, I could lose my marriage, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, just to try yeah. to get in the timeline, this is before I met you, right? Or, yeah, probably. Or, yeah. Uh, this is probably like around, um, around 2000. Okay. Maybe, yep. Something like that. Yeah. Before I met you, right? Like yeah, five years before I met you, something like that. Yeah. And so, um, so it came to a time when I felt like, man, this isn't going well. We were arguing a lot. I didn't like to see my wife unhappy. Mm. I didn't know what, what we were doing. Thought, well, maybe go go see a pastor, you know, and she wasn't interested. And and so it got to the point where like, wow, you know, divorce is actually coming up, you know, and it kind of kind of hit me blindside. But at the same time, um, we were just just so tired, I guess, working kids, mm-hmm. babies. She 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 has a degree, so she's educated. Mm. What I'm learning now, even just over the last few years, is she's telling me she wasn't used to like staying home and raising babies. She considered herself like corporate. And mm-hmm. She had corporate jobs before. Gotcha. Uh, so when we got married, she was kind of working corporate. So right. And you're raised like three gen- three generations of ministry-minded people, and then you just kind of plug okay. plug her into a role in your head. Exactly. Uh, this is life, you know. Yeah. 
Ooh, so, there's a, that's a deep one right that's there, a deep bro. One. That's a deep one yeah. right there. <laughs> so in some ways, the Lord's still speaking to me in terms of husbands. We need to be sensitive to our wives. And that's not just a phrase. No, when the bro. Bible says literally to know your wife and to understand her, it's literally not just, okay, try to figure her out. No, it's like, go. So praise God for this. That um, So my wife, man, my wife is amazing. Like, I love my wife so much. She... Her dad was a drill sergeant in the army. Oh, wow. Okay. 20 years, right? Wow. Later after that, he became a prison guard for like 17 years. Tough dude, man. Yeah. He, you know, after that, he was a U.S. Marshal, you know, and now he's retired. So he's raising like a strong woman too, though. Hmm. And she's just like her dad. Hmm. Just like her dad. I'm like my mom, all kind of sensitive, nice, <laughs> you know, trust everybody. My wife is like, yeah. you don't trust nobody. Yeah. You don't know them. Yeah. Like, no. Like a law enforcement kind of like you have to it's earn, a, you have to earn trust. A tough woman. Mm. Yeah. Like she has taught me so much. She's I can't, you know, yeah. that's how praise God. But at that moment, there came so there came a time when I said, look, if 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 you want to leave the marriage, you can leave the marriage. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. You know, I, I having that conversation, like I, I go when I'm not at work, I'm at home. When I'm not at home, I'm at church. Like it's just a triangle. You know, it was before Phil Jackson. Like that's my triangle. <laughs> right? That's all I do. I have no friends. I don't go out on the weekends. I don't hang out with anybody. I don't have a life other than those three things. I don't know what else you want from me. And, and she says now it really she was blaming me, but it really wasn't me. She needed to find herself in the Lord deeper she was a christian just like i needed to find in the word i guess she needed to find the lord in the word mm. and we did but we didn't know that that's what we're missing yeah we didn't really see it we're both christians so we get a babysitter we're gonna leave to go talk we didn't even leave the part the uh, driveway we're in the driveway talking for hours and i told her look if you want to leave you can leave i true love this is what i was thinking at the time true love doesn't doesn't force you, you know, true love will let you go. And if you don't want to be in the marriage, I, I still love you. I still want you to stay. I want you to think about it over a couple of days. And I go, I don't want you to tell me right now. I was worried that if I'd said, tell me now, then she would, she would go. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, think about marinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give it some time. Like, mm -hmm. don't tell me right now, but I still love you. And I'm sorry for what I'm, what I'm doing too. I have to figure this out. So fortunately before the night was over, she said, I want to give you an answer. And I'm like, Oh, great. It's probably not going to be good. And then she praised God. She said, I, I, I want to stay in the marriage. I, I still love you. I just don't know how to make this work anymore. And I said, okay, I don't either. You know, and our prayer was just, my wife just the other day, we were remembering the prayer was just, Lord, help, help us. You know, hmm. we don't know what to do. And, uh, and that was the prayer. That was just, that was it. And so praise God, you know, the Lord yeah. was faithful and began to, to use that and to begin to would you mind would marriage. you mind sharing just because i'm i'm stepping into yeah. getting no, married it's good, this year it's a, good, it's a good segment you know? not to just walk away from. you know yeah. um you guys were christian yeah. you know moving forward with the lord and how long had you been married before this you know conversation in the car it was about six six years <sighs> seven years yeah. around there and two two kids mm. wow so 
Yeah. That's to me that that's kind of like scary yeah. oh, because yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it like, okay, by that point you're <laughs> locked in. No, <laughs> no it's no. good. Cause I, I, I'm curious what, what was the disconnect maybe between you and her? If you, whatever you feel free to share, yeah. um, that might, you know, be a word of advice to someone like me, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I wish I could tell you exactly. I mean, of course, we give credit to the Lord because yeah. the Lord ministered to us in so many different ways. So you don't want to lose that. We had a home church and we were meeting people. Um, being involved in ministry is big because then you get to know people. You know, people mm. come to church, but they don't get involved. They never meet anybody. Mm. So that's big, having those relationships. But I think that um, two major things. One was I should have been more sensitive to my wife. I thought because I was doing the things I was supposed to do, I was good. I was working, involved in church, coming home. I'm, I don't know what else to do. I think if I could say what I was missing was just trying to find who she was, listening to her, talking to her, taking her out more, just trying to connect mm. as much as I could with her on a human husband to wife level, mm. rather than just, we got to manage this house. We got to pay the bills. I got to get to work and I got to get to church. You know, I got it. I thought because I was doing the right thing, mm -hmm. I was okay. So that's the only thing I can think of is just staying that that love relationship with your wife. Mm -hmm. More than just saying you love her, but just spending that time to finding out that you care about her. What I will speak for her on is that she had trust issues. So remember, I just kind of mentioned the house she grew up in. You know, she didn't have anything. She had good parents. Um, so interesting thing too, just throw some dynamic into it. Her dad is African-American mm. and her mom is white from Germany, blonde mm. hair from Germany. So wow. when he was in the military in Germany, they met. So my wife is mixed, you know, and so her seeing different racial issues between her parents, people that issues that they had to go through really neat couple, strong couple. Her mom came over here from Germany, didn't speak any English, wow. all German, um, so my wife uh, had some trust issues that I didn't know were that deep that I, if I could say now, I, what I think was that she didn't fully trust me, hmm. but she didn't even know that. Hmm. I don't think she would say, I don't really trust that guy. No, I mean, she married me. We loved each other, but I don't think she knew it. Hmm. And there's issues that I'm sure I had, I didn't even know about that. I was being insensitive. Hmm. So we didn't know. Hmm. So, yeah. so it's good to talk to communicate and to stay connected and 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 it's and it's it's worth the time to go there i i believe in those deep issues mm -hmm. with your wife with a wife to a husband i think it's worth it to know your partner mm. and, and and to give it time there there's yeah. something that you're talking about that i think is extremely important um and i hope hope somebody makes it this far into the podcast because especially if they're married because mm. this is um extremely important these things you're talking about and mm -hmm. one of the things that i see particularly in christian culture is the simplifying of of a marriage to a degree that there's these natural roles assumed like especially third generation christian mm. you know it's like you see you see a pastor his wife you see a godly man his wife you see yourself your siblings you see life you see you see this triangle that you mentioned earlier you know, and, and, um, one of the things early in our conversations that I was concerned for him when I saw him first starting to date his fiance mm. 
and was like his communication to her about what he's going to do and her role with that. And like, and the reason why it started to concern me is because there was roles that they were falling into that have been simplified. Mm -hmm. And what inevitably happens once you have the puzzle pieces that you're supposed to have in your head is you're not brought to that place where you're so desperate to try to find out what God is doing and how he's going to do it, that it creates a connection that you're creating with each other mm. and that you're, you're looking for what God's doing. You're, you're, you're seeking the Lord together to try to figure out what he's building mm -hmm. because in your mind, you, you have those puzzle pieces that church has been telling you what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But once you start treating a person like, like they have a role in a corporation and you're just assuming that they're all right because they're doing, they got what they're supposed to have to get the job done. And you have what you're supposed to have to get the job done. You just robbed that, that couple of its mm -hmm. most detrimental thing that it needs. And that is to come together and try to seek God for what he intended when he put these two obscure, different yeah. puzzle pieces together for <laughs> a spe specific reason. So you've already assumed what that reason is and assumed that this puzzle piece is what it is and I'm what I am. Yeah. And now you don't have that growing. I'm only speaking from, yeah. from experience because I have the same thing that happened to me where I thought hmm. my like knowledge, um, wisdom, and insight to successful marriages before me, next to me, and dedication to the Lord, hmm. how? How, Lord, did you bring me to a place where it's falling apart? Mm -hmm. Like what? Right. What did I do? Like, yeah. you know, what happened here? And, and, and what God has taught me, dude, mm -hmm. is that my wife wasn't matching what I had preconceived ideas as to what she would be. And what God spoke had to spank me on, dude is that I needed to find out who she was and who God created. Like not try to get her and bring her over here, yeah. find out who she is. And then the greatest leadership, you know it, dude, is to lead by service. You don't surrender leadership by serving somebody. Mm -hmm. The greatest leadership is leading by service. It's a good, Jesus taught us that, he showed us it. Yeah. And so to serve my wife, in, in the dynamic that I have to find out that is who she is. Like, like to, to see like her weaknesses, frailty, strengths, like little moments where she's like, awesome. Like, oh, whoa, that was dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but then to like, to figure her out and what she is and what God made her to be. Yeah. And then to lead her by service, like, and not compromise, not like, cause that's another thing that gets tempting, especially when you have an unhappy wife. Like once you've gotten to the place where your wife's like, she, she doesn't know either. She just knows she's not happy mm -hmm. is to like break, like to bend, like to just be like, whatever you want, like the, the, mm -hmm. the following your wife moments, yeah. you know? And, and that's not yeah. the same as pursuing to find out who she is. And I'm not coming from a, an achieved, like figured out perspective at all. Yeah. Uh, bro, I'm, <laughs> I'm, um, in my sixth year and I, and we, it was our, it was our second year that we stopped pretending. Mm. So there's a level of like ignoring what's bothering you because you love this person. 
you know, but then that's when I started to realize that I was a personality type that my wife doesn't get along with. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't anything that was happening. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I, I was, you know, out fooling around or alcohol got into our home or she yeah. started doing something or stop. She stopped foot walking with the Lord. I mean, there's elements of that. She could tell you her side and me of yeah. like getting closer to God, but what I iner- inevitably stumbled across in year two was like, I'm not the kind of guy that you admire. Like the things that people think are great about me, you don't care about those things. Mm -hmm. And the things that you think are great about a man, I don't have those things. Yeah. Like, like her dad is, is this, is, is a very like, doesn't say much, but I mean, plows hard. Like the silent man in the room who like, is consistent like he's up before other people and he's changing everybody's oil and he's he he, but he has little to say like oftentimes you know unless he's unless somebody's asking them to share something and me i'm like kind of you know shining the room like like uh i i i bloom when when like teachable moments show up or when people are Mm -hmm. curious about something and and yet i'm forgetful by nature Mm -hmm. and i'm like you know and so I was trying now I was trying to become her dad like at that point like how do I yeah and I kept hearing you know the things echoing in my head dying to yourself like you got you know and you're trying to and you're just watching something crumble and and getting to that place where I'm like uh hey like I I don't know how to be what I'm not Mm -hmm. and um yeah sorry that I'm not like I'm you know but it, it took us getting to this place, dude, where it, we realize it's broken. And, and then like just confessing there, like, look, I'm not, I'm not giving up. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at what doesn't work and what doesn't match and how it does. It isn't going to, you know, that's the moment that you're like, yeah, this isn't supposed to fit. You know, this, this, this was a mistake somehow. And, and, you know, even telling God that like, Hey, like we thought we knew like, you're like, Oh, this is the one. And, but at the end of the day, I was like, I, it doesn't work and it's not working and it isn't what, what is the equivalent for happiness, but I'm not done. Hmm. And sure. Saying the same, like, that's huge. Like, you know what? Like at the end of the rope for both of us, we believed not that we had made the right choice. We believe that God did this. Mm-hmm. Like we don't understand why he would do that. We don't understand why you would put that, yeah. you know, catch up on the ice cream or whatever, you know <laughs> what I mean? But, but we, God did it for whatever reason he yeah. did do it. That's and, good. and uh, it was the start of a slow build and still is building, bro. Yeah. Cause there, there is still that reality. Like, like there, there's little moments of self-consciousness where I normally would just be who I am, but I'm like, you know, second guessing, like think because I might start to appear as something that I know just seems like is misinterpreted as different things. And then there's complexity of how things can become. Yeah. But what I think is important for Christians to know, what I think is important for you to know is, and forgive me if I speak out of turn to anybody else, like all the recipe books that people have sold us on, like, oh, this is what you're supposed to be. And this is what she's supposed mm-hmm. to be. And all, mm-hmm. you know what? Throw those things in the fireplace. Go with her before the Lord and say, Lord, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We trust you. This belongs to you. 
this is yours and when yeah. we want you to teach us like who each other are yeah and 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 how we can serve each other like if you could start there man like yeah and it's neat because what we didn't see happen is what the lord did is she he got my wife connected with a mom's group mm. that had little kids so it was, a, it was a group i was still around it was called mops mothers mm. of preschoolers it's a christian organization independent meet at different churches wherever they have can be held and they're moms with preschoolers so they're stay-at-home moms mm. you know their kids aren't in school yet so there's some lady that said hey we need a ministry mm. these women are going crazy at home mm. raising these little ones all they do is talk baby talk watch cartoons all day the husband comes home for a little bit changes and goes to work or goes to church and she's still at home so she's going crazy at home but that's what i didn't see Hmm. and i couldn't really help her but i also didn't know how to help her so when she joined this group hmm. boom she met like 30 women in the exact same position as she Dang. was christian women and then they would meet for lunch they'd have a speaker come in to talk about spiritual things or cooking or mental health or whatever it is but it was a christian group child care boom she just met like 10 good friends instant and so that I didn't see that coming, but the Lord brought that and it ministered to her and she loved it. Hmm. And so there was nothing I did in that sense. Hmm. It was nothing like that, you know. This is the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, that's kind of neat too, how God just works in different ways. You know, hmm. and again, I love what you said. There's no cookie cutter. Like every person has to do what I did in my marriage. No, 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 not at all. It's just we finally surrendered totally. She admitted that she had been kind of selfish with losing her career hmm. at the time. And I'm admitting I didn't connect with her, right? In the right way and so um but god was what i didn't see and i would love about pastor chuck smith is he says everything that you go through is preparation hmm. he's preparing you now for something in ministry related for the future hmm. so you could say all that i went through i've been able to use that so many times in counseling couples who are married hmm. going through difficult times now i can be able i'm like i never thought the worst day of my life, which I thought was going to be when I said you can leave, <laughs> is now being used to glorify God and right. to help couples. Like mm. you, got, you guys went through that? Like, yeah, she, wow, you know. Mm. So God pre was preparing me for ministry. You know, it's uh, crazy, yeah. uh, Steve, and I, I just want to share something that the Lord showed me in, literally in the moment that, that changed a lot for me in that chapter of my life of just mm. the realization that, I'm not, this isn't, because dude, especially if you're in church, the, the, the image of the perfect marriage and starting out the perfect marriage becomes borderline idolatry for young people that yeah. are hoping to be married or about to get married. And it is this image of like, do when you do things God's way, you'll see it mm -hmm. is amazing. And it, and you're watching people that some of them that it, it is that dynamic and I, God bless those people that just, mm -hmm. just mesh, right? Like it's beautiful, like, wow. But then there's also some to every, to every couple that's meshing beautifully in their Christianity and their marriage, there's a couple that's pretending to be that, mm -hmm. right? And it's not really that. And so they're, they're participating in a standard that's not really there. Meaning yeah. that if there is a couple that is meshing well together and it is beautiful, they, they fit like a puzzle piece and they're working in sync. If there is a couple doing that, that's a miracle of God. And it is to be recognized and praised as like something amazing that God did. 
But once it becomes something that other people are also pretending, then it becomes a standard, meaning that everybody thinks that their marriage is going to be that because these people are pretending that they're what God did miraculously here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now they're setting a standard that's saying, this is what it means to be a Christian and be married. Mm-hmm. And now going into it, it's become a thing that you idolize. That's what I need my marriage to be. Like I'm watching all these people do it and that's what I need. But inevitably what, what you're creating is you're creating something that God did as a miracle and turning it into a standard. And you're saying, this is what it looks like. And the truth is when I talk to other men, true passionate servants of God, um, I see that God had to teach them and humble them in their marriages through their marriages and turn them into servants, like true servants of the Lord to understand. And the one thing that God spoke to me, dude, and what I want to share that blew my mind, dude, was as I was griping to Christ one day about my wife in honesty, not in just being a baby in honesty in like, this is what is happening to me right now. Yeah. And I feel like a failure because you, you, you called me and gave me the gifts you gave me and put me in positions to be a leader. You put me there, surrendered, put me there, not me willing, trying to do it, me surrendering to you, you put me there. And now my, my marriage is not, succeeding the way it should be and the lord showed me who his bride is and all of a sudden dude like Mm. i was griping to christ about my bride to the christ whose bride Hmm. is terribly me i'm his bride Mm -hmm. and look what the king of the kings who his bride is and I thought, and I remember the examples in the Old Testament, remember, where buying a man buying back his wife after she was in, in prostitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Right. right. Yeah. And so, and all of a sudden, the Lord starts speaking to me like, first of all, an encouragement, you are not less because you have a difficult marriage. Because the bride of Christ is was something that Christ pursued and sacrificed for. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't discount you. The discount is that moment that Satan's whispering where you want to give up and then you want to give in. Yeah. And that's where Satan will show up because right around the corner, there's somebody who thinks you're great or right not far away. There's a hope of what it could be if you get out of this or all of those things. And those are telling you to be something that isn't Christ-like, but to pursue in trial after somebody or something that God put in your life, it is not un-Christ-like. And so you're still in the will of God in the midst of that. It's just humbling is what it is because you can't be like, you can't stand on a hill and be like, you know, let me show you what it's like to be this man of God, you know, and look at this yeah. is my wife and she's over there in the corner with a plate of cookies. And right. I'm just here to serve until you're done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and that's not, that's not, yeah. see, God's going to make, if you're going to be Christ-like, mm. he's going to teach you to be Christ-like. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that every, I'm not saying now I'm not taking the other side saying that your godliness is an unhealthy marriage. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that a man has to go before the Lord on behalf of his marriage and say, Lord, I need to look at this and I need to know that without you, I will fail. Yeah. And and I need you in the center of this. And if you could start there, bro, like, yeah. <laughs> I wish yeah. it'd be better than learning it late. You know what I mean? So yeah. anyways, though, dude, I, 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 
it was worth diving into though because yeah, yeah. because who knows who's listening dude and and right. and there's some heavy things that I'm I'm sure those moments dude where you're like people are like wow you really blessed me in this bible study I know this feeling and you're looking at them and your eyes could just yeah. tear because it's like oh I'm glad it worked for you but it doesn't work at home you yeah. know like it doesn't work mm-hmm. for my wife you yeah. know <laughs> I mean I was driving over here thinking that we I've been married I hope I get this right. I think it's, I know, 20, bro, I think it's 29 years. Wow. Yeah. So um, I was just talking to my wife the other day saying, we were talking about this issue and she shared something at a women's uh, retreat about her perspective of when we got married and when, when we went through that time. Mm. And, um, and I just was talking to my man, where would we be if we did had separated? And she was like, I think we probably would have reconnected, you know, <laughs> and I go, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I go, but you know, our kids might not be who they are today. Who knows what we went through. She goes, yeah, that's true. But you know, you just never know. So what was cool was then I started serving at the church, mm. ushering children's ministry, helping watch my kids mm. going on little Mexico trips, you know, with Didel and just different groups and, and just putting it out there. And so that was, that was cool. And then, then Bible college started going and taking classes. I could only take one class, like a semester because of my time. And, um, so I was like on the, you know, I'm on like the 25 year to graduate, Mm -hmm. you know, plan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I've never technically graduated. And so, uh, so started doing that, but here's the funny thing was that, um, I told the Lord, you know, like we can tell God stuff. I said, you know, Lord, I'll, I'll serve you in any way. You know, I love you. Things are going well. My marriage is getting better. And and just I've been starting to feel just like, thank you, Lord. I go, but I just, I just, I don't want to be a pastor. Like, I, you know, everyone <laughs> says, you should be a pastor. I'm like, I just, I don't want to be a pastor. So I avoided anything, anything that had to do with pastoral stuff. Like, and that's not for me. But I would serve. And I love the Bible college and all the classes I was taking. I loved it. In fact, I was there so much. They're like, okay, then I became a TA. You know, while you're here, just might as well TA. And then they had, then Pastor Jay Vallejo mm-hmm. back in I the day. I know him. I was, uh, yeah. So I was teeing one of his classes, and then he told me to do a devotional. He says, every week be ready to do a devotional, right? So every week I was ready. He never called on me. So I'm like, okay. So one week I'm not ready. He called yeah. me. He goes, hey, I want you to do a devotional. Like, <laughs> nah. What? No. He goes, yeah, yeah. So I go in the bathroom up, upstairs, and I'm in the, I go into a stall, and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord. I don't have anything planned. I've never spoken in front of people. I don't have anything planned. Wow. I, so you never, you hadn't, oh, okay. <laughs> no, because I, I didn't like public speaking. I didn't want to be a pastor. I just didn't want, I just didn't like that for whatever reason at the time. I think I was, I was kind of shy growing up. I didn't like speech class, didn't like doing that stuff. Hmm. And so, um, so here I'm in this bathroom stall praying to God, you know, asking the Lord. So I had went up in front of the class and the Lord just gave me scriptures and things to share and so i was blessed thank you lord like it was you know people come up for the first time hey that was good bro i'm like okay cool man like then after class pastor jay goes like hey um so you know what you should uh we need someone to be a home bible study teacher went back when they had home fellowships i don't know if they still do or not but so that's what got that's what started my teaching experience Hmm. was i started teaching home fellowships through diamond bar uh, for the next about five years, hmm. the, the, every year a, diff- a different house, La Puente, West Covina, Diamond Bar, and that's where I gained that kind of the teaching experience and a home Bible study feel. I remember like we were in a group when they were explaining to all the teachers. Some some guy raised his hand and goes, "Oh, do you want this recorded?" And they're they're like, 
no, man, we don't want any evidence. You guys are young teachers. We don't want no proof. <laughs> so I picked up on that. So again, I didn't know God was preparing me to be a teacher and to be in ministry. I didn't know that. So he, God, I, the way I say God kind of played a trick on me, but it was a good trick. Hmm. He was like, you don't be a pastor. That's fine. No worries. Uh, yeah. yeah. You want to teach come over here and do this. I'm going to serve. Chill. Okay. Ushers. Yeah. Go for that. But I didn't know he was, he had something else in mind, which was so cool. So then I started teaching in the Bible college and pastor Jesse's like, Hey, we need a teacher. You know, could you teach this class? And so then for about three years, I started teaching in the college, which was a blessing. Uh, a great blessing. That was huge. I think that's where I learned the most as a teacher and studying different books. They're giving me books. I didn't, you know, that's what I love about that Bible college. Like, okay, we need someone for Isaiah. Like, okay, I've never studied Isaiah. But I'm going to teach it now. So then you start digging, right? And so I was really growing in the word, which was so cool. And then a pastoral school came up. And this was the first one. This was before that one. So okay. all my friends weren't going into that pastoral school. And I didn't. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I remember that one. It was they, years it was before. A, there was a big, there was a big, uh, they opened it, like let people come. And a yeah. big number of people came. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that yeah. one. That one. I didn't do that one. Yeah. Well, that one got shut down anyways. Yeah. So then, <laughs> then, oh, it's funny. I, yeah. So Go then on, I though, think yeah. a few years later, there was a, a shepherd school that kind of opened up for a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And then I said, I'm not doing that one. Avoided that doing the Jonah thing, you know, and, but I was serving, I was a cool, man. And so then, um, that's, this oh, is the era that I met you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Right around there. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of a funny, if I can share this, this, yeah. this to me, it's kind of funny, but I'll go for it. So then, um, I'm doing some responsibilities at the church. That's kind of like a pastor, I guess, some, some roles, I guess, for whatever reason it came to the, to, um, so, you know, love those guys, pastor Didel, pastor Jesse, they call me in the office and they're like, Hey, so uh, didn't you like go to pastoral school with the like that group that went in? All your friends, you know. I was like, nah, all my friends did. Um, but I I didn't, you know. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, how are you doing? Like some of these roles, like as a pastor kind of thing, we're just having you do, or just. I was like, I don't know. You you guys asked me. I, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I thought that was a funny moment, you know. Like, who like, let you in the door? Yeah, like, right. You let me in the door. <laughs> I go, you guys, did. you let me in the door. <laughs> you know, so that was a funny moment for yeah. me. But, you know, I respect those guys so much. Um, that is funny. I learned a lot from them. So, so that was funny. So then that's when they said, "Well, we're having another school coming up," and that's the one you were in, and I were in. And they said, "We'd like you to do that school." And so then at that point, I'm like, "Okay," because I had. I had uh, read this book on just like um, this Dr. Bruce Wilkerson. I kind of like him as a teacher and some books I've read. Uh, he was a Bible professor and um, he started a ministry called Walk Through the Bible. Mm -hmm. No, you could like uh, a cramp in my leg. Oh, dude, and, uh, I'm the master of that, dude. <laughs> I've gotten cramps on. Go on, stretch uh, it out, bro. Right, okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he has a ministry called Walk Through the Bible and some different cool things that he's put out. And so, um, um, actually, I forgot where I was going with that, um, that I learned from him. So I was, oh, so I read a book that he read and I was like, Lord, um, what, what things do you have for me? Like, what, I want to pursue you more. Like, what do you, what do you have for me? And then I felt like the Lord kind of say, well, you said you'd never be a pastor. And I was like, oh. Oh, <laughs> I was like, 
Yeah, that is true. You're asking what more you ha I have for you, but you've told me that you don't want to do what I have mm. for you. Yeah. So I'm like, you got me on that one. That was a good one. Okay. <laughs> so I went to Dale. I said, hey, I think I'm, I'm going to this pastoral school. You guys, and he goes, yeah, yeah. So, so that's how it started going into the pastoral school mm. and then doing the, the two years of doing school. And, you know, that was a cool time to just growing and seeing what God has. So at, at the end of the two years where they told us, Hey, when you're done, you know, for, if you feel God call, go, like go somewhere, you know, leave and go start a church or go do something, you know, don't let the door hit you in the back. Yeah. You're leaving. <laughs> you don't yep. need to even say goodbye. Just go. So, you know, it's all good. So I'm like, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go? What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. So I'd gone out to pastor Jesse had showed up and said, Hey, they're looking for a youth pastor in Colorado. And I was like, whatever, you know, so I'm not. And so, but then Colorado kept coming up and the Lord kept showing me. I didn't, I didn't end up going over there, but, but I thought at the time, man, Colorado keeps coming up, keeps coming up. So I told my wife and then we prayed and then she felt the same way. I was like, weird, Colorado keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. So we contacted the, the pastor and we drove out there for a weekend. We left on a Friday, came back on a Monday, went up through Utah, Colorado, came back through New Mexico. It was really, it was, that was a blessing too. Just that getting away beautiful. from our kids, yeah. getting, getting away from our kids for a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was it great. It was amazing. It was awesome. So met a guy at a gas station. He was the assistant pastor. Never met him before. And it was a Calvary Chapel Worship Center in Colorado Springs. And so interviewed. Um, I didn't, I didn't, they didn't pick me to, for the position. Um, and so it came back. And then my brother called and said he was going to Calvary Chapel Monrovia. And he goes, hey, I feel like the Lord's telling me to maybe I should ask you to come over and help our youth ministry, high school. At the time at Diamond Bar, I was doing everything except youth ministry, children's, missions, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, man, that'd be cool. And my kids were around elementary, junior high, freshman high school. So I prayed and the Lord spoke and said, yeah, go to Calvary Chapel Monrovia. I want you to serve there. And so that's so that's when I moved over to the Monrovia mm -hmm. and began to serve in the youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And then it just blew up there like just. The youth ministry grew. All these people were helping. My brother was there, which was cool. My brother's family is a blessing. His mm. kids were in the ministry mm. serving as youth leaders. Um, it was just jumping. It was so much fun doing trips and camps and campouts and beach trips and to the mountains. And I mean, just, man, mm. I just, and then my kids were there. My kids mm. are growing up in the ministry. And your brother. And, and my brother. That's mm. awesome, dude. Yeah. That's, Great little chapter going on. Huh? Yeah. So what was interesting was right before that, probably like around 2002. So now going back just real quick, it was a kind of a moment in my life, which is interesting. Um, we had three kids now. I had my son, Joshua, and he was about five years old. I was coaching my daughter's soccer team up at Shabaran Park, and we were going up there. So I'm getting ready to coach, helping coach, I was assistant coach, helping coach the team. And I turn and I don't see my son. You know, you know when you have kids and you're like, hmm, he's just right there. Okay, so I walk around the field, don't see him. Walk around down this other area where the kids are playing, don't see him. Mm. So it's that moment, you know, like just even just a good five minutes in, and you're like, oh, I don't see him, you know, and my wife's not there, it's just me. Okay, so don't panic, you know, all right, do another lap around there. Oh, he's probably in the bathroom. Go down to the bathroom, he's not there. Go over, not there. Uh -oh. Now it's like 15 minutes, Oof. and I'm like, okay. This is real now. Tell the lady who's working at the snack bar. She goes, okay, all right, I'll tell some of the staff. What's he look like? You know, what's he wearing? Go up, tell some of the parents. So they start kind of looking. 
after about 20 minutes. Oh my gosh, dude. Now they call the sheriffs and now the deputies show up. So now it's full on. You know, yeah. the police are there. People are looking. Don't see them anywhere. No bathroom, no snack bar, nothing. The, the police are looking in cars, you know, people leaving. Um, oh my gosh, dude. And now I'm just like, it's maybe a half hour in. Oh man. And I'm like, just, I'm like in shock. You know, I'm just praying. I, my wife's at a woman's retreat. I haven't oh, even called her yet. Gosh, like, and so now it's about, and there's all these trails at Shabarn Park. It's like a, yeah, yeah oh, we you know, know it. Huh? Yeah. So like 45 minutes in and I'm going walking, just picking a trail and I'm just like in shock. Some guys like working there and I'm just like, bro, I go, can, can you pray with me? And I didn't even ask him if he's a Christian or not. And I just needed someone to pray with. I go, pray with me, man. And I prayed. I'm walking on a trail. And, you know, we don't usually talk about this kind of stuff. It doesn't happen, you know, like, but it happened. And, like, I heard something. I heard a voice. You know, I heard God speak to me. Mm. I have to say that now. And as you, you know, you hear, like, wasn't, there's a big audible voice. But I heard. And, the, and God said, the voice said, if you never see your son again, will you still follow me? Dang. Hmm. And I'm like, I stopped him. And then I heard it again. If you never see your son again, will you still follow me? And I was like, just in shock, you know? And I'm like, to be honest with you, you know, and you and your close relationship with the Lord, I'm like, my, I said, really, Lord? Like, you're really going to ask me that right now? Like, we're looking for my, for Josh, like, and you're going to ask me a question. And I was just dead silence. And I'm just on my, by myself on this trail. And I'm like, he wants an answer. Hmm. And I'm just like, so now I'm, now I'm thinking about his question. And then time goes by and I'm just like, all right. Yeah. I'll, if I never see Josh again, I will still follow you. You know, I thought, where else am I going to go? You know? Yeah. And so it was just as simple as that. About a minute later, deputy rolls up. Hey, I think we found your son. I'm like, jump in, jump in. Boom. Go up on the soccer field. Some lady on the other side of the field has my son and she's running and I'm running toward her. It's like a movie mm. on the, on the field. And we're running toward each other. <laughs> it's like, and so I grab her, I grab him and, 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 and I'm crying and, and, um, and so that was a moment, you know, and crazy thing was that he, he was fine the whole time. I guess what happened was he had brought, you know, back in those days, they had game boys. Mm -hmm. He had a game boy He's and he couldn't, walking. he couldn't see it because of the sun, the glare. So he got under like a pick, like a chair and put a blanket over him mm -hmm. and he got real little. And he was just playing his game underneath a blanket, like a little <laughs> mound under a chair. So nobody saw him. Yeah. So, but he was fine the whole time. Like nothing, there was just, he was totally fine. And so some lady saw this blanket moving and she like ripped the blanket up and she knew my son and she, Joshua, picked him up and started running. Looking for you. Wow. Looking for me. Yeah. So he was always fine. Just like, yeah, just like, but yeah, I mean, trip out on that, bro. Like, to me, so now, now I get personal is, of course, was 
for me personally, it was when I read when God Abraham. told Abraham to sacrifice his son. Yeah. And then eventually God told Abraham, now I know you will not withhold anything from me, not even your only, not even your only son. Uh, for me, on a personal level, I feel like that was a moment mm. when I thought, oh, and then here was a cool thing was that, and I said, Lord, I, I will still follow you. And then about 10, 15 seconds into it, I thought, wait a minute, I will see him again. I'll see him in heaven. Mm-hmm. I'll see him again. I'll see him in heaven. Mm. I know it. And so it was kind of neat to know that my kind of my faith kicked in. Mm. Even at that moment, I will see him again. And my faith kicked in and I said, yeah. And then, so I was happy to know that at the moment my faith kicked in. Mm. I didn't just go crazy, and, mm. you know. And so I guess God was testing me mm. that day. He was, he was, he was testing me. Mm. And, uh, and so I tell people, you know, God will, not that he'll do that. You know, no, we're not trying to scare people, but that God gives you tests in your life. Yeah. to test your your loyalty to him and again not to say he's going to do that but that's just what he did for me right yeah and um and i and i'm happy that i i passed the test I guess. <laughs> and i got my son back yeah that was mm-hmm. the best part you know because it could have been real and then i'm sensitive to families who have lost kids oh my gosh who yeah. have you know I've, I've done funerals over the years and it's sad you know when it's a baby that goes and the order takes home and so I'm sympathetic, you know, that some families have gone through that and pain. I was with just for a short time, you know. So, um, so that was a big time in my life um, where I guess God was just testing me. Mm, yeah. Well, those are one of those scary things when you hear of like pastors who have lost children. Sometimes I think, God, like, what are you going to call me to? Yeah. And and when if I'm put in the situation you're in, like, can I say, yeah, God, I'll still serve you. And so those are the questions where I'm like, God, I need you to give me the faith in the moment. Because right now, if you're to ask me, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ha- I'm strong enough to just say, yeah, I'll take my whole life, all my loved ones, and I'll still follow you. Mm-hmm. But I think God has to prepare someone for that, for sure. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the moments that kind of leave you speechless um, and what God is doing. But but praise God, you know, glorify God, right? I mean, right. I, I got my son, and and so, yeah, uh, that put. Um, is that is that where you're currently still serving, or what's where's? Yeah, so I'm I'm there now. So I went over there. Uh, okay, so cool, man. So youth ministry was just going was mm-hmm. just fun stuff, man. And so that was so cool. With my kids, and then what was really cool that God did. And this is love God so much, man. Is um, he gave one of my kids, my daughter, the gift of worship. And so what was funny was when I was at Diamond Bar, um, because guys were learning how to play the guitar and just, you know, so I picked up the guitar and I, I started learning the guitar. And so I, was, I wasn't very good. They would stick me in the children's ministry, right, to practice. And these little kids could appreciate it, but they didn't know, you know. <laughs> and so I'm just practicing, doing my little songs and stuff. And but it just, it didn't really take. So after about a year of that, I just put the guitar down. What I didn't know was my second daughter, Jordan, she picked up the guitar. She'd been watching me and she just took off. Boom. Just started jamming. Hmm. And I'm like, whoa, didn't see that coming. So I bought another guitar. How old is she? She's 22. Hmm. Yeah. She's two years younger than my oldest. And so I told Jordan, I go, honey, I go, 
God gave you the gift to play. Like you're really good. Mm -hmm. You know, you're picking up quick. I go, now we need to pray. My Lord will give you a voice, you know, so you go with that. <laughs> and so we prayed for that. And the Lord gave her a voice. That's crazy. Yeah. And then we connected at the church with uh, remember Willie. Yeah. 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 So Willie, we would take her, uh, we'd go over to Willie's house and he would just do some lessons with her Did that for like probably a couple of years. So that really just kind of fine-tuned her, her. He's a great teacher, too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I sat under him, too. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's a man. great teacher. Yeah. yeah, he's cool, man. I love Willie, dude. Yeah. So what's cool story, too, is that um, Willie's wife's parents uh, were members of my mom and dad's church. Oh, wow. Way back when in Covina. And oh, Rosemary. those are like, you guys have that little connection. Yeah. So That's awesome. A, uh, so I know the mom, you know, I've known the mom for many years. Um, so... Um, so yeah, so then my daughters got the gift to do worship. So what was one, one cool time was, um, we were doing a baptism here with Walnut high school mm -hmm. bar. and I told my daughter, bring your guitar. Cause she used to love to bring her guitar and just sing. And so, so, uh, I forget the worship guy at the time, but they were doing worship on one side of the pool. So it's so big. So my daughter went to the other end of the pool and was just playing songs and bringing her little song sheets and was singing uh, for those people. And so pastor all walks by. And it's just him and her, and he had just finished baptizing, and uh, he, she's wearing a little Dodger visor. Um, and he goes, oh, Dodger fan, cool. He's all, so who won the game? And my daughter's all, oh, I'm not sure. And he goes, oh, you play? She goes, yeah. He goes, can you play a song for me? So she just starts playing a song. Um, I forget the name of the song, but mm -hmm. she just, so I could just see them, and he's just listening. And so then she runs up to me and says, Dad, this was Saturday. She goes, Pastor Raw wants me to play it tomorrow morning at church. All oh, three ooh. services. I was there. I was like, are you sure he said that? Like all three services? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went over to Raw just to make sure. You know, I go, did, did he goes, yeah, yeah, you know, Rawls. He's yeah. like funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just have her come by. She'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> everything's like everything's yeah. like no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I like, whoa. So we went home. And what was funny is she was just learning that song. She didn't know the full song. And right when it got to that point where the part she didn't know, like the wind picked up the paper and just kind of blew it away. And then and then the song ended and he was like, hey, come tomorrow and play that song. So when we went home, she goes, I don't even know this part, Dad. I was like, you better learn it tonight. So she learned the whole song that night. And then the next morning we get there, you know, and tell Val, hey, yeah. So he hooked her up. And then so that was just it was a neat experience. We've never mm -hmm. been through that before. You know, now she's on stage by herself. She was probably like. 11 12 years old i remember you know that's sweet dude um yeah so that was a neat blessing that god gave us uh yeah what about your dad yeah so can you cool. talk a little bit about that yeah so good question um so my mom and dad you know beautiful people man uh, just amazing they're yeah so um but my mom got alzheimer's um for about a good about a good seven eight years before the lord took her home and then the last couple of years, my dad got dementia. So then we began to care for my mom and dad, my family. So praise God for that. And as just being there for my mom, my dad, you know, that wasn't easy. My mom was um, going through the Alzheimer's. And I remember we went to lunch at Sioux Plantation in Arcadia. And I had always said, I don't want to be a pastor. You know, I'll serve, you know, everything's cool. She, my dad always asked me, how's the kids? I was working with in the social work. Oh, good. And he was always proud of all of us and stuff. And so we were having lunch and my mom really couldn't have conversations with her. But I said, you know, what? I'm going to talk to her anyway. I'm just going to do it. So I go, hey, mom. I go, hey, so 
been talking with the Lord and all that. And I said, so I, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to be a pastor, you know? And my mom, you know, really didn't talk much and she was eating her salad and she stopped and she put her fork down and then she like turned and looked at me and she goes, well, it's about time. Hmm. And then she turned and picked up her fork and went back, just kind of mm-hmm. went back. We didn't really talk anymore after that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man okay lord you yeah i hear you i yeah. hear you lord you wonder yeah. if she had been praying all those years you know oh, yeah it's dude. about mm-hmm. time <laughs> i have i have uh, a story with your dad i don't know if you remember the story mm-hmm. um that uh cert- resurfaces oftentimes the lord mm-hmm. speaks to me through it mm-hmm. right and I knew I knew the difficulty. I was learning it from you, the difficulty of um, when somebody's losing their mind. Mm. And uh, I just so happened, you know, it stirred a natural curiosity. I'm this way because the mind is something that I, I'm always intrigued by, this, yeah. the, the uniqueness of people, difference. And I had, a, I had a close buddy of mine whose grandmother was a believer and then as she began to lose her mind, I think it was Alzheimer's mm. or dementia. I'm not sure which one. I'm not, I don't really know too much the difference. Um, but she began to just, she got really nasty, like mean and and yeah. saying, and he was just devastated, dude. His sweet grandma, he just was like super devastated. So he began to seek just how to make sense of that like what and he met somebody that taught him an amazing thing and he this this man who had a lot of experience in this area with believers said um you know how your body's made up of organs and how any one of your organs can fail you right like liver people get Mm liver cancer or liver failure or kidneys or heart, heart failure. And just like that, there is the mind and it is an organ that can fail you like any other. Mm. So answer me this. Do you think God holds somebody accountable in a different way because one organ failed versus another? Mm. And then the next thing he said was, did you know that biblically when the Bible talks about the intellect that is a different word used hmm. than the word used for your like brain, your mind, like in the original language hmm. that the intellect is the part of our thinking and mind that continues even when our brain is laying in a casket, hmm. but there's a thinking that is separated from an organ. Hmm. And when he shared that with my friend, it, it set him free. And he tells me this story in tears, right? In tears, he's telling me this story. One day I'm sitting in my van out in the parking lot and he's telling me a story that what he learned and it blew my mind. I was thanking God for that guy and his yeah. research and what he was sharing. And it was the next day that we had class. And we were, it was a Saturday. I think we would have to go and clean, right? It was a Saturday we would go and yeah. clean. It was the next day. was that Saturday, so it was a Friday. And you had to bring your dad. Like You, you were like watching him. You had to bring him with you. That's right. And uh, so I just came off of learning that. 
and and here you were you were dealing with you were keeping him with you and he 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 was deep into it already his his mind was going mm-hmm. but i had this moment with him where like i i, I was kind of like I, I was by the bookstore cleaning the little lending library and he went over there and he saw a Bible and then he opened it up and he started turning yeah. pages or whatever. And then, and then he turned and he was like, and he called me, I forgive me. I don't remember what the name was, but he called me by a different name and he, I was somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, for lack of better words, Joe, you know, that's not what he said, yeah. but Joe, like, what are you doing here? And f- something in me was like, don't, don't fix, don't, correct this like mm. and i was like oh, i'm just just here you know and then he walked up to me and, and this is what he said dude he's like you know i never told you i was sorry wow and like mm. it pierced me bro because i was like i was i just looked at him and i was like i don't worry about it you know yeah. it's all good mm. but like that wow. was set up timing wise from what I was learning and like what I was in. And I knew, I knew at that moment, dude, like I knew that like the Lord was like molding you, like with like, just, it was inevitable that like a Christian man would be up against this wall or like this, this difficulty or, and um, Mm. I began praying dude for, for your dad. Mm. And I prayed for him continuously he would come up in my mind because he comes that because that comes up often in my memory bank for whatever reason yeah that's cool man uh and uh i prayed for your dad even i think passed into his past his death (laughs) (laughs) i was like you know whatever he's at lord you know whatever he's doing but i i thank the lord now like i mean he's he's with the lord yeah and uh and he's experiencing whatever intellect we have that's separated from our brains, you know? And I imagine, yeah. I've always imagined death, like, you know, cause we always see it like, like the, the last dim, right? Like, cause you know, like we fall asleep or every picture, like all going dark, you know? Yeah. But death is the one that like the light gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And right when it turns out, it actually just turns on the way it's never been on. Right. Yeah. So we know that we don't use all of our brain and we don't use all of our mind. And we're like, we're like the crippled version because of sin, right. Of human beings. Like we're the yeah. lesser version of ourselves as yeah. we live in life. And that one day we will dim to the light being turned on and we will realize when the light is on, that the light has never been on the way it is now, mm-hmm. ever been on. It's never been this clear ever. Right. And so particularly my heart for the topic of yeah. Alzheimer's, dementia, or even myself as I, I you know, brain farts, anything that I go <laughs> against, I, I know yeah. that I'm not who I'm going to be. Like, I'm yeah. just, I'm just here in this fog doing the best I can yeah. and connected to the one who really knows what's going on. Yeah. And that humbles me. It keeps, and it, it's off. I'm often reminded of that moment. And it, and I'm so thankful that God, hmm. that I wasn't like, Oh no, Hey, he thinks I'm somebody out. Like for what yeah. the Lord was just like, <laughs> don't, no, like just <laughs> yeah. ride this one out. Like, don't, it's not, that's what I, not what I want you. I want you to do this, you know? And yeah. I it was prompted. I was, that's I was cool. in tune enough to know yeah. that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. That's and, cool. Uh, I didn't know that, bro. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I just heard this, hearing this for the first time. So that's, oh. I thank you for sharing that. You know, that's neat. I mean, it's kind of strange when you're in the car with your dad and you're driving, and and your dad looks. My dad looks at me and goes, "So how are your parents?" 
You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, like I'm, oh, they're doing great. Yeah, really good. I, I go, in fact, you and my dad are like best friends. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. They're doing good. Like, yeah, they're doing good. <laughs> yeah, but dude. then what's cool about my mom, she had it worse than my dad. She got the full-on Alzheimer's. But man, God is so, God is so good, mm. you guys. I mean, he's just mm. so amazing. Um, because my mom sang in the church and she knows these hymns and mom had a beautiful voice. And anytime we would travel somewhere, the church or wherever we were at would say, Anita, oh, Miss uh, Anita's here. Annie, they call her Annie. Annie's here. Have her sing. Annie, would you sing for us? My mom would be at home before practicing, just in case they asked me to sing. Mm. So I could hear her singing hymns in her room. Mm. Yeah, you can hear that in the home. Beautiful voice, and she's practicing. Just in case. She wasn't, she never went up and said, Can I, I have, I've prepared a song I'd like mm. this. Never. never, ever. She just, you know, and then, Annie, would you please? Oh, sure. <laughs> always as if, but yeah. always ready. Man, that's... And then when my mom would sing, mm. she would look up. She goes, I always like to sing up. I just want everyone to know I'm singing to the Lord. I'm singing to Jesus. Mm. I'm not singing for the benefit, you know, for the to show for the people. So I'm just singing to the Lord. So she would always look up when she would sing. Mm. And so what was so cool about what God did, even though she had Alzheimer's, she didn't remember us. She didn't remember our names. She didn't remember who anybody was or where she was or what she was doing. But the Lord gave her the memory of hymns. Mm. So when we would spend time together, 90% of the time we'd spend time together, we'd sing. Mm. And she remembered the words. Mm. And we would just sing. Wow. You know. And so the Lord gave us that connection in her last, you know, maybe two years that way. And so I was like so grateful that the Lord would do that. Couldn't remember anything else, but she remembered the songs. Mm-hmm. You know. So to this day, it's stuck with me. I have hymn books. And I just, that's where I do my, a lot of my worship as I go through my, my hymns and just sing. Um, so yeah, good, strong memories, you know. Mm, awesome. Yeah, man. So are those the kind of things you want to like kind of pass on your kids? Like those are the, some of the lessons, like, do you try to like, is it hard sometimes to follow after your parents in a certain way? <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm thankful mm. because my daughter has the gift of worship. So she's bring she brought music into the house. So mm-hmm. I was blessed, bro. Like I get to hear my mom singing growing up. Then I got to hear my daughter uh, singing in the house, yeah. practicing in her room and going through songs. And then my daughter's so cool. I I would pull songs. Like, hey, I got this song. Oh, so cool. Let's see if you play it. Sure enough, all right. Boom. She, later that day, she'd be and she'd come out and start singing it and playing it. Mm. You could feed her anything. It was so cool. It was like a Christian mm. jukebox. <laughs> yeah. you know? Then I then I learned like some harder songs. Like I don't Josh Garrels, you know. I love Josh Garrels, bro. Music and like stuff. Obsessed with his albums. Yeah, I know, man. Too he, much. he was like the theme to like uh to my whole wedding, like my entire oh cool. Like, man. yeah, like my wife walked to like Josh Garrels music. Yeah. Like, I mean, we just Yeah. He, he's Cause he's an artist, bro. So I'm, I'm an, a fan like of art too. Yeah, that's your but, your gift. Yeah. yeah, and then his, but his, uh, like his lyrics are are deep about yeah. the Lord, dude. Just wild. He has some stuff. That I'm like, yeah, my goodness. Dude. So I didn't know if she could handle that, but sure enough, she like bam, just like nailed the song. Wow. Josh Gert. and I was like, anyway, so so that's been pretty cool, man, to have music in now. So mm-hmm. I encourage people if you have when you have kids, if if, if it's the Lord's will. To encourage, you know, mm. I heard that from Pastor Raul. I used to do it all the time. We need to encourage our young people to do worship, you know, play the guitar or whatever it might be. So that's that's been a blessing too in the house. One of the things that the Lord showed me 
um, well, let me finish. So like when I was at Monrovia, well, no, I'll go back to this. So one, one cool thing the Lord showed me, just he, when you know, gives you these personal things for mm-hmm. you that you just hold on to. Um, I was studying, I was teaching in the book of Joshua in the Bible college. And when the children of Israel left Egypt and started going to the promised land and Joshua was leading them, the Lord gave me something and it was just for me, like a blessing. And I was like, man, that's so cool, Lord. And he just gave me a picture of when I was, when my daughter Brianna was born, that was like me in the desert. I was just kind of, as a Christian, having some marriage things going on, just kind of wandering in the desert. But I was a believer, mm-hmm. you know, um, no direction really. And then when my my daughter was born, that's when I rededicated my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to head to the to the promised land. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm going to start walking, see where this takes me. So start walking. Two years later, you get what separates the land from the promised land is the Jordan River. Hmm. Two years later, my daughter Jordan was born. Hmm. And so the Jordan River is like a like the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you begin to just now walk in the Spirit and let everything go. You're just serving. And so then Jordan was and the Lord was showing me this, you know, and boom. Go in, come out, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you're in the promised land. Now you can begin to do the work I've always had for you. Hmm. But there's, you know, enemies in the land. There's hmm. some work to be done. So then who was the leader that led them into the promised land to fight? Was Joshua. So then four years later, my son Joshua was born. Hmm. And, uh, and so the Lord just gave me that in a little hmm. picture one day. And I just, man... Hmm. That was just so cool for me. And then teaching through the book of Joshua, that was like my, it was just a blessing. Hmm. The Lord just dropped that on there. So hmm. that's, that's what I did for you. Hmm. You know, I was like, that's what I did for you. Just grace, hmm. God's grace. I didn't deserve any of that stuff. And uh, so Pastor Raul always used to say, and I remember when he first said it, I didn't really believe it. He said, in the verse that says, you, you cannot fathom what the Lord has planned for you. Hmm. You can't even, Raul came into the school and said one time, you can't even think in your mind. You can't even think the thought that God has planned for you or the things mm-hmm. he has planned for you. You can't even think it. And I remember when he first said that, I'm like, I can think some crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then sure enough, man, years later, when I went to Monrovia, what was cool about Monrovia is they like to do missions trips. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, when I was at Diamond Bar, we went to Mexico. So this church was cool. You know, churches God's used in different ways. So the pastor says, well, we're, we're uh, the pastor has a connection and was called to India. So he goes, I'm going to India. And he tells me, I'd like you to go with me. Wow, man. So like you're just your story about Africa. Hmm. Same thing. Just same thing. Crazy, you know, huh? India was just unreal. Hmm. Yeah. And then we have this, what they call a Jathra, where they all come from just days on, on trains with animals and literally a little pickup truck with like 30 people jammed in a little Toyota pickup truck, hanging on from every little side, kids packed coming to the Jathra because they're going to give the gospel at the Jathra. And it's because they don't have Christian uh, accessibility like we do. Yeah. They're coming from all over. There's going to be food, big old, huge vats of like soup, soup. or like a stew yeah. with the, with the wood and the fire underneath. And the guy's just stirring it. And there's like six of these huge vats for them to eat just rice and some, some soup. And, hmm. but so what I didn't know the Lord had that, to go to Israel, went to Israel with Diamond Bar, and then to India, and then missions trips started popping up. So huh. I'm just enjoying that right now. We've got to go to Jamaica, and we stayed in a village um, 
And that was just, that was unreal, man. Like we visited this church and the church wasn't like right on, had some issues going on. And that's another, I don't know if we have time for that, but that's another story. Um, and so, so that night our church was going to serve in this village. We, we did like a VBS, like mm -hmm. we brought all these puppets yeah. and songs oh, yeah. and different things like a team to reach the kids, of course. And, but that night after that kind of that weird church service, because in, in Jamaica, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, a lot of witchcraft and different yep. things that they do there that night. And then the leader of our group, it was me and this other guy, and he kind of led the led it, though. He has set everything up and the people. They wouldn't let him in the country because like 10 years ago, he had been in prison. But he, he got out 10 years ago. Now he's a Christian. And he's married and he's in ministry and has a good job. But for some reason, it showed up. Something showed up and they're like, we're not letting you in the country. So he had to get on a plane to head back. Oh, wow. And so now he had all the contacts, had everything, the people. And so now I'm, I'm like basically in charge now, you know, I'm like, okay, well, right there, the luggage at the airport, let's pray you guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so we got to trust the Lord. And so, but that night after the church service, um, I had like, I guess I had a spiritual attack. The enemy um, like whispered in my ear and said, you know, you're in a foreign place. You're in a foreign country. You don't know, really know where you are. You don't really know who these people are. You're leading these people. And there's no way out. Like there's no way out of here. You brought them here and there's mm -hmm. no way out. And I, I was just like, man, I feel like a, like a thickness or a darkness. Mm -hmm. So I just, I picked up the phone and called my, called the senior pastor and told him what happened. He goes, Oh yeah, that's a spiritual attack. He goes, let's, let's pray. And so there's a lot of weird things that happened at that service. And we were supposed to stay connected with that church. And there's going to be another service coming up that we weren't comfortable with. And so we prayed and we prayed. I called my brother. We prayed. Next morning, our guide comes to pick us up in a van. And then right away, the guide says, you know what? We're, um, we've decided we're going to cancel all our church services this week. We just want you to minister to the people in the village. Mm -hmm. Just spend time with them. Mm -hmm. And you can do your, your shows and share the gospel and do your, but uh, we're not going to have a, and, uh, <laughs> I just tapped, I put my hand on the shoulder. I go, you know what? That's, that's a great idea. Praise God. That sounds good. So we never had another issue with what was going what was on. Going on, mm. yeah. That that and that's a that's a tough one, huh? I, I I remember one of the things that they tried to talk me into not touching a certain subject while I was in Africa, mm. and it was the leadership of a college there, and they're like, "Hey, would you mind not like?" And I I looked at the guy, and like I looked down at like what I was going to teach next mm. in the text, and I was like, uh. I can't do that, dude. And and it was like, hmm. you know, all of a sudden, like people that were like, because I was family, but I could just feel in that moment, like, whoa, like this is old. Yeah. And I sat there a little while, and then they just like, if we go against you as a man of God, we go against God. Hmm. But I, if they had not had that heart, like if they had not, that, that would have been a weird, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. You know, because, and stuff like that, dude, is, is, you know, I'm not talking about differences. Like, dude, believe, you know this, like yeah. when you go to countries, like the way they do ministry is different and Christians have to have maturity enough to not say no, not to, don't do that with things that are not doctrinal yeah. issues. Mm -hmm. Like you got to let it roll, like whatever it is, you know, 
But when it comes into like doctrinal issues, dude, or things that are like against the Bible or like not teaching certain things, like mm -hmm. I can't do that. Like I'm God's man and this is God's word. Yeah. Like, and that's, that can yeah. create some real tough things, hurdles, you know? Yeah. And I think the Lord that, that guy, like you, you know, that the guy was just, yeah. the Lord controlled it and you didn't have to end up having to deal with all mm -hmm. that stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, like just an example, like there was a, so there's this lady that she was on the, in the church, she was on the ground, she was shaking. And so one, a guy from our young, really young guy in our group went up and started like, you know, just assumed she was demon possessed and trying to cast out the demon and, and kept saying, you know, just kind of handling it that way. And I'm sitting there and I'm not convinced of that. I'm not, I don't know yet. You can't just assume. But I didn't feel like she was. And so just ask the Lord for wisdom, for discernment. I mean, people in our group are like, what's going on here? And so I go, well, I'm going to go talk to her, you know, and I'm going to find out for myself. So, but I'm going to assume she's not at the moment. So I went over to her. She's on the ground. She's shaking. And the guy's telling her, just say Jesus, just say Jesus, just, you know, we'll cast it out. And so I went over and I held her hand. I looked right into her eyes. I leaned up close to her. I said, and she was on the ground shaking. And I, I said, I'm going to have you sit up. I go, you're going to, you're going to sit up right now. So I can put you on a chair. You'll be safe. And then right away, she's like, okay. And she like, let me get her up mm. and put her on the chair. And she's just kind of shaking in the chair. And then, and the guy kind of stayed. So I just, so at least she was sitting in a chair and not it on wasn't the ground. A scene mm -hmm. and, yeah. Yeah. So I, so I, you know, believe at the moment, if, if it was, well, I would have had an encounter with it. But she she listened. She followed command. There was no resistance. There was no different look on her face. So again, it's not to like no yeah, not yeah. that I knew everything was going on, but it was just as still a test. Yeah. And so I felt like she passed the test that you know, so I had her sit down. So now, now the church is back in order, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then there was more people up that the, the, the pastor guy was trying to get to fall down and mm. and to cast, you know, just do different things. And so it was just, you know, I'm not here to judge the church or anything like that, but just from my experience. Yep. And so, and we're in a different country, different church, you know, it's not my house, so to speak. But where it got a little is my son was sitting next to me, you know, he was probably like 16. And then the pastor points at him and says, come here. So my son gets up and goes up to the front and I'm like, oh, okay, now you're like, you know, cause the lady that was shaking, she was a member of their church. Mm. She was on the worship team. I'm like, she's the worst. She's on the worship team. You know, but anyway, <laughs> later, <laughs> right. later on, we found out that it was fake. That girl was told to do that on purpose mm. to have a show for the Americans. Yeah. So, it, so I was right in the sense yeah, that yeah, the Lord, yeah. you know, Lord was showing. But now, me now that. you know the character of what you're dealing with, though, mm -hmm. in this place. And now they're having your son come up, and they're going to involve your family in like some little. Yeah, they either that's how they do it. Or that's how they think Americans, we should do it to put a show, what mm. we can do. Or they're just trying to show how strong the church is here to the Americans visiting. Whatever the case is, now we're assuming, but yeah, but so it's people, not the Lord. It's not true. Yeah, so people were dropping the, in his church. People were coming up and were dropping. But we found out later that girl, she kind of admitted it. She was asked to do that. Which then I had to talk with that younger guy because the younger guy kind of got upset me like, dude, why, you know, she was couldn't you tell she was demon possessed? It was obvious. Mm. You know, he was telling me, I was like, no. no not. So anyway, <laughs> it was a teaching moment yeah. for that young guy. Yeah. And so, um, so then my son's up there and I'm like, oh God. Fortunately, my wife and some of the women didn't go to that, that's that service, that Sunday night service. We had a Sunday morning service and a Sunday night. They didn't go to the Sunday night. If my wife was there, 
Oh man, it would have been done. It would have been like, <laughs> like, like Medea. <laughs> oh yeah, oh it man, Medea. So there's a reason why. So I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm. And then that gun, a guy came and stood behind my son. So the, you know, the pastor was probably going to do something so my son could fall. Mm. And then you know how that is. If you don't fall, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, your not, faith. You know. Right. So anyway, mm-hmm. so I get up and I walk over to my son. And I put my hand behind his back. So I'm standing behind my son like that. And I'm like, I'm praying. Because I also didn't want to disrupt the whole service and say, right. we're out. We just got there. Wow. We're living in our houses. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm like, we're out of here. Where are we going to go? Yeah. <laughs> and so I put my hand on his back. And I just like I was praying. And I was praying. But what I was doing was I wasn't going to let him fall. Hmm. So then my friend told me when I did that, that it kind of threw the pastor off. Because the pastor's whole thing was to work it up so he would fall. But I was holding him up. And so my friend said mm. the pastor kind of kind of like threw him. And then he kind of stopped and then kind of went back. And then within a few minutes, the pastor said, you know what? I think we're just going to end the service early today. Um, we're going to we're just going to get some rest tonight. And so he just kind of threw him off. Yeah. We had been praying. Our group had been praying. So that's how it started. So then that's night. That night is when I heard you know, that those voices and stuff. And then the next day he said, you know, we're good at, from that moment on, from that next day, bro, it was so amazing. The, the Holy spirit just dropped on that whole village through the, the puppets, the music, the God, I would share the gospel, mm. the Bible study. It was my, it was the best me personally, the best missionary experience I ever had. My wife was there, my kids, my daughter did worship. It was the, the greatest experience I've ever had with my family and what the Lord did in that village and to the people. And, you know, it was, God is so good. I, I, I remember I always said, I didn't want to be a pastor. What was I thinking? Hmm. I never knew. I never knew the things that God had in store for me, the blessings to enjoy in ministry. It's going to be, it's going to be tough, but it's worth it. Hmm. It's more than worth it. Hmm. He exceeded all my thoughts of what anything he would do in my life. And now I can't get enough of it. Now it's just the Lord is just so good. Yeah. It's just so good. I used to think that when I first got saved, I was like, man, well, my life's going to be super boring now. Yeah. That was one of like the big fears. Like for a <laughs> yeah. few months, I was thinking yeah. my life's going to be boring. Right. And then the Lord just started to open up doors for me to go to like South America, Israel, go to follow Paul's footsteps. Yeah. Man. And I started to see when you just submit, like he makes you just the desires of your heart lined up with his and then all of a sudden the doors start to open mm-hmm. one that, of the yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead no no That's no good. one of the the biggest lessons that i'm getting from you mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. uh being open to saying yes to god mm-hmm. but then also like you have this huge family dynamic that i'm like wow looking forward to in, in the sense that you're taking your children out on these missions trips where it's like mm-hmm. that First of all, that's scary to me to take my kids out to the mission field. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, how beautiful, though, is that? And so, I, that I don't know. I'm just commenting on what yeah, I'm seeing. Yeah, no, I, I, cool, I, I'm, I'm yeah, really digging. Crazy. I'm really digging it, and um, I love that. You know, if for some reason there would be any young people that would tune in or whatever, you know, and that is in Christ is the most dynamic life. Like it really, really is. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think about there's now kind of like three phases like there was in the beginning when i first started walking the lord there was my 
buddy Peanut, who was your TA for a while. People used to say kind of looked like you, Miguel. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, right. <laughs> and uh, super good friend of mine, dude. Um, he's my he was my best man. And anyways, right. but um, him and then Jay, there were it was us three, and we went, and I, I learned a lot, and there were a lot of mistakes I made too, with just assuming that other young believers would be the same as me and kind of pushing people and mm. um but then that wave like past they went on and you know peanut in particular he, he's assistant uh principal at an elementary school and god's using him in an amazing way in his community wow. and with his friends and the things god's doing in him and his church and it's great dude mm. and then jay's out in texas and i just talked to him a few um days ago but then this next wave of young men show up and it's uh nick and sell and mm. they're like this next chapter and there's little moments where they blurred with the last guys too yeah. but <laughs> they became like the next wave of and it was us three it was me and him and mm. and nick and and remembering like nick nick was like so intrigued like hey like i just i just want to i want to learn i just want to know and him too you know and all the while i, I didn't know like i was just Oh, cool. These guys want to hang out. No problem. But like Nick just became the worship leader at Golden Springs, like the the director of worship. Like he's on staff. He's like, oh, man. he's the main guy there. Um, Just became that like a week ago mm -hmm. or something. And then Sal's like a pastor of a church, you know, and I, and they were, I thought they were like just up and gone now. I was like, wow, look at what God did. That was super <laughs> cool. But then he, I was the first guest on this podcast. He's like oh, starting man. a podcast and That's it was so when COVID cool. first hit. And um, like, well, we can't go to church. Like, let's do something for the Lord that we could do. Yeah. So he has me. It's it's if you mm -hmm. watch it, it's terrible. Like, you know, we're just sitting awkwardly, like looking at <laughs> yeah. each other. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's evolving. It's still evolving right now as to what it is. But um, I didn't know I would get a chance to like serve alongside him. Yeah. Like just and, you know, he's the pastor of a church and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then God brings in my life like this next young dude sitting over there, dude. And. I, I, I didn't have no idea. I'd let go of music and all that stuff. He's my nephew. That's my wife's oh, uh, nephew. Cool. So like he's family yeah. to me and I've known him since we did the math the other day. I'm like, dude, you were a little kid when I first met you. <laughs> but now I'm watching like what God's doing in his life. And the big thing that God's ministering to me in it is, you know, how full their lives are mm -hmm. and, and, and what they're doing and the opportunities and the things that they've done mm -hmm. because of the Lord in their life. And, and when you remove, if you remove just that element, just that, like the Lord, and they're mm -hmm. still the same family members, everything, like they're on completely different paths, you know? And like, when yeah. I look at the, like the talent that like Max has or the things that he's doing and how different he is than them and how different they were than Jay yeah. and, and, and Peanut and, and, I, and I have to thank God because for a long time I was sitting waiting, like what are you going to do with me, Lord? Like, what do you, and the Lord just always speak to me about occupying, like, mm -hmm. like stop thinking about what I'm going to do and start working with what you're doing, what I'm doing. Like yep. get your eyes on what I, I'm doing. Like I, I anointed you and I'm, I'm working in your life. And so I still have that fight, dude. I'm still in that fight of like, cause my heart bleeds dude for like the things of the Lord. Like, mm. And there are moments in my life as a construction worker that I'm just like, I don't, I don't care about money, dude. I mean, yeah. all I need is enough to live, you know, yeah. the Lord always provides, but 
they're like, you know, you have like foremen trying to sell you on like, hey, if you become, you know, you, you just know how much they make. And I'm just like, I don't, yeah. I don't care, <laughs> dude. And then standing next to guys who are natural construction workers, dude, they're just like, they just take to it and they're so strong and they're so like, mm. you know, about it and love it and they thrive, yeah. they learn it fast. And I'm like, man, with my little hands cramping up on me <laughs> and like, what are you doing, Lord? But I can't, I have to surrender to the molding process mm. and just trust like, Lord, you, you're the author. I sent, I sent, I handed over authorship, you know, and yeah. I handed over authorship on the title son i handed over authorship on the title servant i handed over authorship on the title husband and i've handed over authorship on the title father mm. like i'm not anything i'm just doing the best i can with what he placed on me as a title yeah. you brought this in my life and so i'll do the best i can you know and uh he humbled me, bro. Like, it's weird, dude. Mm. Right in the process of starting this, like right before this started, like we're starting the podcast, I was done. Mm. I wasn't done because I was walking away from the Lord. I was just dumb, done believing that I was going to do something. Mm. I was just like, you know what? If I find myself through the gates and in your grace, that's more than I ever deserved. Like, yeah. I don't... I, the, all the avenues that I thought I was anointed or special or any of those things, people were just they didn't need me you know and it's yeah. fine like and then like marriage too like just like i don't have what it takes to make my wife a happy person or feel all these things and i don't mm. I'm, and i'm not feeling anything with a newborn baby i'm done i don't i'm like you know yeah but the lord would just always minister to me like since since that seven-year-old moment dude you're my man. It's mm. always been there. Yeah. You know, and mm. I made you in your mother's womb. Like I gave you the mind you have, like the, the things that I've given to you, like this is my authorship and you, you, you just need to stay surrendered to it and obedient. And that's one thing we've been talking about is the fulfillment and obedience, you know, because when your fulfillment is in the outcome of your obedience, now you're chasing something. Mm. But if your fulfillment is just in the obedience, like, dude, that is gold, bro. Because yeah. you don't have, God doesn't have to sell you on what he's going to do. Yeah. He just has an mm -hmm. obedient servant. Like, you're about it. You're about doing what he asks you to do. Right. And that's the fulfillment of your life. Like, that's, that's where I, that's the place that he's bringing me because of construction, because of like the difficulties. And, yeah. you yeah. know, he's bringing me to a place where I, you know, what makes me happy, dude, is hearing him and obeying him. That's what mm -hmm. makes me happy. Not the outcome yeah. of those things, just mm -hmm. those things in themselves. Like yeah. it's just so, such a blessing, dude. So there, we always go on. No, please. Uh, so you bring up a good point in the sense that, uh, yeah, work. Like so that the job I had, the social work job in Irwindale, I had for se 17 years. So yeah, that was a trial too. You know, that's when you're working, let's say, you know, you're working in the world, non-Christians, different things, um, battles with these young guys getting out of jail, um, drugs. Um, had to, I hired them, I had to fire them, mm. um, confrontations with the supervisors who didn't like my style or, yeah, that was a hard time. I guess that's the, when pastor Chuck says those 17 years when he was a pastor at a, under a denomination, the four square. Yeah. 
most of the things he learned for Calvary Chapel, you know, the distinctives and different ways was through failure. Mm. Almost everything he learned was through failure. Mm. This didn't work. And we kept doing it every year, every year, every year. So when he finally got the chance to start Calvary Chapel, the Lord used him. Then he learned from all those failures and all those mistakes. Probably one of the biggest things I felt for him in is when he finally got to the place where the Lord was showing him, take the people through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, you know, book by book, by verse by verse. When he finally realized he had not been doing that all those years, he said, I have been failing the people. Mm. Imagine you've been in ministry for 15 years. Oh my gosh. And then to have that settle for 15 years, you've been failing the people of God. You've not been honoring God's word. And they're less of a people because of you. Mm. And he said that that sank in. Mm. And then he made the decision. Okay. I'll take him through the word. Yeah. Well, now we're going through the word. So you have two kinds of people on that. You could say, why would God do that? Why would God wait 15 years to teach him that lesson? That's the, like the negative. So does, and the other guy is like, that's the Lord's plan. The Lord wanted him to be burned out on man's ways mm. so he can start fresh with God's ways. Mm. So maybe at year five, he wasn't burned out yet. He <laughs> still thought he could do it. At year 10, he wasn't burned out yet. He thought he could do it. But at year 15... He's burned out. He's ready to leave. God's like, well, I'm now I'm ready to start. Hmm. <laughs> wow. So there is something to that in terms of you guys being younger in the workforce, whatever you're doing, mm. or in church, ministry. He's at work still, yeah. too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and he's, they're, a, they're, he's about to <laughs> fall into that. That hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Let's pray. <laughs> um yeah, there's that. There are those years of trials, mm -hmm. you know, but but God is faithful. God is good. And remember, everything you're going through today is for a purpose. It's God's preparing you for something specifically. So it's not just random. God's preparing you specifically for whatever you're going through today and whatever trials you're going through today. It's for a specific reason. He's mm -hmm. preparing you for it to use you in the future. You cannot think it in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So then it becomes exciting. Mm -hmm. Like, you mean my trial today? You're going to use it for your good later? Okay. Yeah. Right. So there's a purpose. There's a plan. Mm -hmm. um, so then it becomes somewhat exciting of what you're going through. But it's not easy. You don't want to paint a, a, a rosy picture. Life is, is hard. It's not. Yeah, it is. There's plenty of times I wanted to quit, quit that job, but the Lord had me there. So what was interesting was I was going to stay at that job forever. I liked it. You know, I was kind of stuck there, so mm -hmm. to speak, 17 years. And then I got laid off. You know, some, some funding didn't come through. I got laid off. So I'm like, man. So then they, they rehired me in this other program working with guys getting out of prison, like guys like 20, 30 years in prison. And I was teaching a class on how to reintegrate back into society. What that looks like now, your new family, your family, your kids are raised, what job you're going to get. And uh, it was it was cool. Mm -hmm. You know, it was neat to be able to do that and work with these guys Did that for about a year. Then I started kind of job jumping. I got another job working. Actually, at the time, there was some shootings going on in Duarte, the Duarte area, Monrovia area, mm. Pasadena. And it's even just even recently, again, it's kind of heated up again. But there was a lot going on. And so there was a, a grant they hired me to actually now check out this job. This is how cool God is. My job was basically go find gang members, go into their neighborhoods, go to their houses and offer them job. Uh, I'll help you get a job. I'll help you maybe go back to school. 
I'll help you. Whatever you need, I'm here for you to go, to um to to get drug counseling, go to church. Like uh, I'm the go between. You know, that mm -hmm. was my job. So I would literally like walk a, like a worldly version of a fisher of men, huh? Like yeah. just, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're gonna pay me to do this? Like wow. okay. And so that's what I did for maybe going on two years. Um, now, right before that, here's the trials. I, I left the job. I got a, a good paying job again bef right before that. Um, but the lady I worked for, man, she did not like me. Mm. Just wasn't clicking at all. I was doing everything I could to just make it work. And I got fired. Mm. And so the first time I'd ever been, well, second time I've been fired. But that was McDonald's in high school. That's, that's, that's another story. Fired and rehired by the same guy. <laughs> so, so, um, that was hard, you know, to be fired and then to be accused of something that that's not true. And then, so I was going to get a lawyer for wrongful termination and ended up not doing that. What, again, what I didn't know is God is, God was preparing me for ministry. Mm. He was pulling me out of the social because I just want to do social work. I didn't really want to be a pastor, but God had other plans, but God knew I wasn't going to leave. So he had to like slam the door mm. so that's that's what was happening but i didn't see it yeah i was fighting it kind of thing and i wasn't in rebellion or anything i was just i was just god's plan i was just you know so um so i so i got fired from there i got the other job working in the city so i was going working with like the homies and setting up so one time i remember going to this park and there had been a shooting i'd be in a neighborhood and i'd go home and two hours later someone died right on that street <laughs> wow. i'd be going down streets bro like there's a hot street where there's a lot of drive-by shootings i mean it goes back even to the 60s this these streets and i'm walking down the street and there's a car rolling up and i can hear guys yelling we don't know that car like, we don't know that car so everyone's dropping and so i run behind a van and i jump behind this van and the car rolls by tinted windows and then there's a dead end at the street so then it's coming back you know but but praise god it wasn't you know no one pulled out did any shooting whatever but the guys thought maybe mm -hmm. and so then i'd go home and a few hours later it'd be a death right there on that street um but it was cool because i was sharing the gospel i was out there man it was just it was neat <laughs> wow. i was doing a good work um so then um so then um Long story short, <laughs> I end up getting fired from that job, but the person who did it had fired other people, and that's a whole nother story. So that's when the door shut. The door just got slammed shut. And then I was communicating with my pastor through this whole thing. I was telling him everything because I was struggling too. I was working part-time. Uh, I was trying to make more money, and then I was working at that job. Then I started being a substitute teacher at Monrovia High School do that when i could do that and so i was just trying to pick up these things but the lord was pushing me to go into ministry so finally the pastor just said hey you know you're ready for ministry now and like that's what i see i don't see a failure because i'm like i'm i'm like i'm a failure i'm like oh i'm this old i've been through this i've been fired twice i've been i don't know what's going on my wife's wondering you know and and, God, and the pastor praise god for good pastors hmm. he's like i think you're ready for ministry now like we, and I'd been serving there. We, we could use you here. Hmm. We'd just work here. I'm like, you serious? He goes, yeah, just work here. He goes, well, tell me, tell me what you need to get by. You know, I can't well, promise we're going to match it, but what, what do you need to get by? He goes, we can, we can work something out. We'd love to have you here. You've been serving faithfully. God's gifted you. And I'm just like, oh man. Okay. All right. 
so that's kind of how that started in terms of going on staff there hmm. it's a it's a it's a it's churches maybe at five four or five hundred people hmm. so um it's a good healthy little church though yeah um so they were able to bring on it's a very small staff i mean we have maybe four or five people on staff you know so um so that's kind of how that started now what was interesting was because i was doing all the work in the community i met a guy who was a chaplain with monrovia police department hmm. and so he saw the work i was doing and stuff the lord had me doing and so he goes hey you should apply to be a chaplain hmm. and i'm like yeah I, I, i've always been on when it comes to the law enforcement i've always worked with the homies hmm. you know and they always talk bad about police right and so I'm, i've I've spent 20 years doing that, almost 25 years. I, I don't know how the other side works. I don't, you know, love law enforcement, my brother-in-law and my father-in-law and just different. And so I prayed about it, applied, and then I got I got accepted. So about for the past maybe five years, I've been a chaplain with mm. the Monrovia Police Department. Wow. And so what was crazy was the first two years, it started happening again, shootings between like Duarte, Monrovia, Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Uh, black gangs, Mexican gangs, Bloods, Crips, and it hit me like so now I'm I'm going I'm I'm showing up at people's young guys that have been killed, getting calls to the house, um, innocent teenagers getting killed. I've never been to a vigil before, so now I'm being asked to speak at a vigil, doing funerals, burials, all with like a lot. And walking through families and then there's other calls or suicides when responding to Hmm. different things and so praise god like god had me there to just you know to serve but what i didn't prepare myself for was what you would be dealing with what i'd be dealing with Hmm. i I, now i can have a high level more of a respect level for law enforcement for military who've gone through that kind of what they see do you deal a lot with anxiety and stress so i used to so that the couple years then it was affecting me mm-hmm. and it was getting to me and my wife could see it and I was acting different and I was not knowing why. And, uh, it was, and I would just start crying for no reason, just whatever I was doing. And I remember, I remember at the gym, I'm out there. Oh, so what my wife, that's why I love my wife so much. She says, she, my wife's really proactive with things like you should do this. You should try this. This is good for you. A lot of it's healthy. So you need to like start working out, go work out at the gym. I've never had a gym membership. She says, well, I'm getting you a gym membership. You need to do something. Go running, you know? And so I started doing that. I started working out, started running. And that helped a lot. But I remember being in the gym, just like, and all of a sudden I just start crying. Just like tears would be rolling down. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're at the gym, right? And you're supposed to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So it did mess with me for, for, a couple, for maybe that first two years. But it gave me a taste. Again, didn't mm-hmm. see it. But what was God doing? He's preparing me for ministry to be able to minister to the officers or different people yeah and not to say i have experienced what they've experienced no, i hear you but just to give me a taste of it so I you're sympathetic towards it. you understand mm-hmm. i mean you, you, your heart's broken for that yeah mm-hmm. exactly so that's where um so yeah that's been amazing man just that's being what a open crazy to that you know like there was a shooting so i'm, I'm standing there in, in someone's yard you know it's at night and it's like a vigil and there's like 50 people and they're mad because they didn't they like how it went down. And what am I going to say? You know, so one of the things that's so cool that God has given me to share from his word is a simple little phrase. And it is this phrase that God knows what it's like to lose a son. Mm-hmm. 
that simple little phrase I have used and has ministered to me, and I believe to many people who have lost a son or in a shooting or a child, you know, when it's more tragic and it's young or something that should never happen. That simple little phrase God has used so many times. God knows what it's like to lose a son. Like, just ponder that for a second. Mm. He lost a son. Because the worst thing we can ever think of in life is to lose a child. Mm. That's the worst thing or someone very close to you. And God knows what that feels like. Mm. God went through it. And so uh, that's been pretty amazing. So it's still ongoing. It's been heating up a little bit recently. So praying for the community, Mm. praying for the young people, wondering how we're going to reach them and just being open to that. Awesome. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. We we like to uh usually close up our our podcast with one last question, and that's how how can we pray for you, man, right now? Awesome, man. Well, first of all, thank you for this. This has been amazing. Um, whatever God is doing in our lives, it's for a good reason. And um the greatest thing that we can do is continue just to love them. Um, I'll just finish with this and then I'll tell you that. Um Okay. Yeah. I was teaching the, a class on Calvary Chapel distinctives mm-hmm. just recently. And one of the things that hit me was I was doing some studies on the hippies from the 60s. You know, that's so fun to do when you go back and see how the spirit was moving back then and what God was doing. But one thing that struck me was that the hippies, the non-Christians at the time before they came to the church to know the Lord, many of them, but the hippies brought love to the church. You know, I was just telling the, the group that the other day. It should be the other way around. The church is supposed to bring love to the hippies. But the hippies brought love to the church. Mm. And then the church gave the hippies truth. And when you combine love and truth, mm. then you have Jesus Christ. But it was interesting how the hippies brought love to the church. So mm. that's been on my mind lately, and I was telling the people in the church, love. We're good at the truth, <laughs> but we're not always that great in the love hmm. and i described it like like truth is in the front seat of the car and love's in the car but love's in the back seat hmm. <laughs> it's in the car so we're good like no no no. god wants it in the front seat hmm. so love and truth go together so how can we love more than we've already been doing to a lost world um so that's the latest thing but yeah no how you can pray I like that <laughs> hmm. uh, how you can pray is uh um yeah, I think, you know, man, God has has got things in place. Thing, God is so good. And so I think what's most heavy on my heart is that is just my love for my children. That's just never obviously left me. But that's my greatest, um, next to the love of the Lord and, and my wife, is um, I would, in some ways, I'd struggle. I'd probably consider myself a failure if my kids felt like I didn't connect with them. Or I didn't love my kids or make an impact in their life. So I'm always trying to stay. That's some of the words of advice for a parent. I'm always trying to stay one step ahead of my kids. Um, I challenge myself all the time to stay one step ahead of them. That whatever they're into, I want to kind of be, I want to learn it in a little bit more. Mm. Not to, not for, just to like challenge myself and to let them know I'm interested in their world mm. and I value them and I value the things they're into. So my son likes to work out. I'm going to try to work out more. He likes to lift. I'm going to try to lift a little more than him. He likes to run. I like, I'm going to try to run more than him. Hmm. And I'm hoping that I can just be that role model in his life. 
that he's not a dad that just passes up and my dad's out of, he's out of, he doesn't connect with me anymore. Mm. No, I always want to be connected to my kids all the time. And mm. so I enjoy that. I enjoy challenging myself to, to go above and beyond. Mm. So my kids can, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work or not, but it's fun. Yeah. And it's good to relate to my kids. So I'm never out of touch with them. I, I hope that's my, that's my hope, mm. you know? And I think that's important because my parents, they were heavily in the church, but when they came home, they treated us like we were everything to them. They brought the love home. And so they, they built a home and a family if, if, if more, more than they did at the church. Right. So God came first and then their marriage and then their children and then ministry. So that's, that's what I saw in my family and my, and my parents, God came first, then their marriage, then their children, then their ministry. And we, we could see that, but the ministry didn't lack because they put God first. Hmm. So God took care of the church. So that's an encouragement. Yeah. That's a great role model. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Let me pray for you, dude. Yeah, man. Thank you. Father, I come before you right now and I thank you so much for this conversation and for this time we got to spend with each other and realizing some of the things that you've done, some of the things you've taught us and how we can take the lessons that are learned by each other. We can grow. I pray for my marriage and take in the things that I learned today. I pray for Sal and the things that he's learned today. And for my brother, Steve, Lord, who our paths crossed and intersected at a time and he's always been in my heart and I just bring him before you right now and I just pray for a special anointing upon him you take him even a step deeper and further I pray that you give him a peace in his heart always about your plan for him and his family and his children and how it almost is unfathomable but true Lord that you love you love our children more than we can I just pray that you always, that you would bless him, Lord, in his relationship with his kids and that as they go and become married and all that, that it would all just add on to what you've been doing in this great story that goes back to some people just being faithful to you, Lord. The answer has always been yes to what you're asking. And I pray for him, Lord, and the things that he faces And some of the conclusions that we draw in our life and we say, okay, that's what you taught us, Lord. And yet sometimes we're still up against those walls and we realize how much we need you and how much we, we love Lord, that you're there for us and you love us and you understand us. So I pray for him and for his mind and for his body, for his family. You just use his life, Lord. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Steve, awesome. it was a pleasure to meet you, man. Jesus, Thank you for this coming. This was a good one, on man. Podcast, I enjoyed dude. that. It was such God, a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, dude. I learned a lot. That's, That's awesome, a wrap, man. That's a wrap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. God bless you guys, man.